0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH podcast, better known. As the Ocho, Duro, Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio is your coach, is my coach, is the coach, is the senior sports editor himself, Coach Duffy.
1: What is going on, everybody?
0: Folks, we have so much to talk about in the land of sports. Let us waste no more time, shall we? Hit us up on those social media accounts. You can find all of them on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. So join in on Facebook, join in on Twitter, join in on Instagram, join in on Podchaser. Join in, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. And as we kick off every sports show during the NFL season, we have to recap our locks and leaps. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to start with my lock. Uh, kind of low hanging fruit, uh, in my opinion, but it turned out not to be. Uh, I chose the Seattle Seahawks to defeat the Miami Dolphins, which they did uh, by the final score of 31 to 23. Russell Wilson, 24 of 34 for 360 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Ryan Fitzmagic, uh, on the other hand, uh, 29 of 45 for 315 yards passing, zero touchdowns, two interceptions.
1: Coach, your thoughts. I mean, I guess we can say that the one kryptonite that this uh, great Seattle team has is against pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Their secondary and pass defense is just not very good. Um, I mean, obviously, two interceptions is great. Not, not necessarily, you know, those were – great coverage interceptions as they were just not great throws by Ryan Fitzpatrick but I mean this is uh, if I'm you know uh, the Seattle Seahawks you know going into the later part of the season this is a concern for me especially once you have to you know if you have to play a Dallas team again or you know if you have to play a Tampa Bay team that you know obviously throws the ball pretty well so yeah I mean this is definitely something that if I'm Seattle you know I have a little bit of pause for concern here but on the flip side of it offensively I mean, outside of, you know, Green Bay, it's the most efficient offense in the NFL. Yeah, facts. I mean, they move yeah. through everything. You know, it doesn't matter uh, anything. They're, yeah. You're not stopping
2: them. Yeah, no, I'd say the other uh, kryptonite they have, and maybe this is just because I heard uh, Troy Aikman say it like 15 times uh, last week, third downs. Mm-hmm. They got a real issue with third downs. But, you know what? it's it working for them you know whatever issues they got because you Russell Wilson th- still so throw a monster passes DK Metcalf another monster day four catches for 106 yards no touchdowns but he averaged 26.5 yards per catch good Rid- lord
0: ridiculous uh I guess a couple takeaways I have from this one if the season ends right now Russell Wilson is your MVP and I think that you have to give him credit for carrying it's, this team through. It's a it's tough, tough argument because
1: Aaron Rodgers is right there. Oh, we'll I get, mean,
0: we'll get to him a little later. Yeah,
1: I mean, I know, like, I know I want to give him the nod, A, because you know he just he hasn't had it. So it's like you want to give him the vote, but fuck, if you can't, I mean, Aaron Rodgers playing some really good ball.
0: Oh, absolutely. But for Seattle to be out to four zero for a start, it all is on Wilson, and he's carrying them through because, like we touched upon. Their third down conversion rate does need some work, but their offense is clicking on all cylinders, and especially for traveling to the East Coast, which they normally don't have the best luck with, shall so well, we say.
1: West Coast traveling the East 1 o'clock game. Yeah. Right. You know, historically. yeah.
0: They definitely did what they needed to do and held off the Dolphins. And I, and the other takeaway I had from this is the emergence of DK Metcalf. Yeah. Well, the and, emergence
1: has been there.
0: I mean. But this is where I think it really showed up for four catches and 106 yards. I heard the best comparison mm-hmm. that he is a faster T.O. and that is what Metcalf's game is. Huh. That he's Ooh. he's a T.O. prodigy, but he's faster. Okay, man, and that's
1: good. That's real. I didn't even think I was like maybe thinking uh, not uh, Randy Moss, but a uh, like a Michael Irvin mm-hmm. style because he can run the intermediate. Oh, well, I mean, I guess he really does run the the post and the flies. So. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> that's a really yeah, really I, good I, comparison. I honestly
0: can't remember where I read that from, which uh, former player said that. But looking at his game, maybe
1: a Dez Bryant I could have seen too. But yeah, I mean, yeah. but Terrell I, Owens is a very very good comparison
0: because he's because he's big.
1: Dez was big, but not like built like yeah. T.O. Uh-huh. built, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, T.O. Yeah. Damn,
0: T.O. is a physical ses- specimen, and so is Metcalf. Yeah, oh, Especially yeah. for the size he runs, because I always saw mm-hmm. when he came in the league, he was going to remind me of David Boston. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, he was there, but David yeah. Boston
1: was small. He was only like five eight, but yeah, he was. But he Musk was the, the biggest five eight wide receiver yeah, I've yeah,
2: ever yeah, seen in my we, life. And we all saw the photos of you know the combine and stuff coming out where we really all everyone's going, holy shit! Look at the size of this guy. I mean, I'm looking at his his profile on ESPN.com, listed at six foot four, 229 pounds. That's a freaking big 229 pounds.
1: Reminder that I wanted the Giants to draft him. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> said multiple times that at 17, if he was available, instead oh, I was of looking taking,
2: at him going, telling the Pats to go get him. Well,
1: hell, I mean they got his
2: partner out of Ole Miss and yeah, he's true. a pretty good
1: wide receiver it's too true. but I had said at 17 if he was available fucking and, giants need to look at him instead and it, they draft the defensive tackle and where does he go 19 to
0: Seattle yeah it's just scary they slid that far because I thought you'd be in the top 10
1: well I mean there's a, I, I don't want to say the quote-unquote character issues but yeah. I do think there's a little bit of personality conflicts that you know all I mean when you break down great wide receivers what do they all have in common personalities yeah mm-hmm. it's just it's a position and we've talked about it on the
2: show yeah it's, it's just, it's complex. A, well, yeah.
1: yeah it's just a it's a position of of not I don't want to say arrogance but it's a position of personalities that they just carry themselves differently than a lot of other uh skill set players yeah and that's an intangible that you really want I mean yeah. look at what Odell Beckham's doing in Cleveland you know mm. for as much grief as you know especially now you know now that they've really figured out that offense I mean He's still a great wide receiver. Yeah, he's a personality, but oh well. Yeah. You know, I would much rather have the the passion and the fire of a that wide receiver like a DK Metcalf or him than I would just a quiet you know one catch for seventeen yards type yeah. you know wide receiver you know I, yeah. I want
2: that explosiveness yeah I mean you see that with different positions too I mean you think the quarterbacks you know the ones who have succeeded and been around a while you mm-hmm. know calm cool collected they'll get loud when they have to they'll they'll kind of speak raise their voice a little bit when they have to but they're kind of even keeled and level headed to a degree. Receivers, like we said, it attracts the divas. It attracts the larger-than-life personalities.
0: Yeah, you either get a Marvin Harrison or you get a Antonio Brown. Yeah, right. I mean, it's literally that side of the spectrum. Whichever one you get, Metcalf I think, falls a little more towards the Harrison side because even though he does have that kind of personality, you don't see it overshadowing the team. Well,
1: it hasn't been. I don't think it's really been. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't. I don't know who the old Miss coach was when he was there, mm-hmm. but I mean, it really, he, you haven't seen his personality really break yeah. this this year. You know, he's a very, very quiet, you know, he's a quiet wide receiver. Yeah, you know, he'll get up and point the first down or the touchdown celebrations, Sure, but whatever. I mean, Pete Carroll loves that kind of, that <laughs> oh, swagger anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't know if maybe like, you know, getting under Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson kind of, you know, changed his personality a little bit because, I mean, that's the type of, uh, successful, you know, th- that's their kind of success. You know, it would you would fall in line. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who are you
0: to come in and try and be different? And plus the one thing about Pete Carroll is he has a college football team atmosphere. To, yeah, to, to oh, absolutely. Like, it almost seems like they're not a pro team. And I'm not, I'm not meaning this in any disrespectful no. manner, but just how he carries that team They are having a lot of fun no matter what. Yeah, it's the vibe that you get from there. It's absolutely, no, it's absolutely correct. But I mean, that's
1: an extension of him because he's young at heart. I mean, when you talk about, you know, style of coaching, you know, it's. The the players' coach, Mm. you know, which Pete Carroll is to a degree, but at the same time, you know, there is the respect because of the level of success that he's had at USC and you know now at Seattle. Then you know, vice versa of a of a you know more of a dictatorship like a Tom Coughlin, which even Tom Coughlin led up towards the end of his Mm. run Mm -hmm. with the Giants. So it's like you see that you know a players' coach more connects to this generation and rightfully so, and that's what Pete Carroll's done, and it is paying dividends.
2: Yeah. Uh, Looked it up. Uh, Metcalf's coach at Ole Miss for one season was a gentleman by the name of Hugh Freeze. uh, And then for two seasons was a gentleman by the name of Matt Luke. Sure, whatever. I mean, yeah. great. So, but not Pete
0: Carroll. <laughs> no, but but it just goes to show that the player falls into the right system, they can blossom. And I think the Metcalf has been the sole piece that's been missing from Russell Wilson. Oh, Winston. for Oh, Yeah. I mean, for years, how
1: long did we say he needed? I mean, he had Doug Baldwin for a while. Mm. Sure. Uh, he had the other. Uh, Guy, guy, you know, he's had wide receivers. Dog's yeah. screaming into his speakers right now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, Dog, if you were here, you can name him. Well, you know, they tried the Jimmy Graham
0: experiment. You know, that didn't yeah. work out. So yeah. it's like this is what they needed. Yeah, they've never had a true number one, and now Metcalf has emerged. Oh, that? yeah.
2: I mean, just looking at his stats, 16 catches, which is tied for 43rd, 403 yards, which is tied for first, <laughs> three touchdowns, which is tied for eighth, and then averaging 25.2 yards per catch, which is first in the league.
1: But it's that big play ability yeah. that stretches the field, and I mean, you know – you look at when you talk about the ability then that opens up for Russell Wilson underneath, you know, the ability like the the Patriots, the mm-hmm. great offenses that they had was with Randy Moss. Why? Oh, yeah. Because Randy Moss stretched the field downfield, so then the intermediate routes open up because the defense has to respect him downfield. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on with Seattle right now. DK Metcalf is stretching the field by running those deep ones, mm-hmm. you know, and his ability to go up and get the ball. Opens everything up underneath that Chris Carson can get some, you know, the dump off passes. Russell Wilson can, you know, the play action read is there. It's just everything opens up when you're able to stretch the field. Yep.
0: Yeah, and that goes to show how how this offense is clicking. And we, like I said, Wilson Wilson has taken it to a next level. Mm-hmm. They're winning the games. Chris Carson has definitely been the workhorse back that they needed. 80 yards and two touchdowns. Whoa. Definitely having another monster day. But it's not. He doesn't need to do much. But he though. doesn't. You know, exactly. that's where it's going. Yeah. It's like this this offense is so balanced that. They're not relying on running the ball down everybody's throat or having to have a shootout. They come in and they match what the defense is giving them and beating them outright. Because mm-hmm. Miami being one in three, they're one in three for a reason. They have a very anemic offense, uh-huh. and their defense is hanging in games, but yeah. they're not hanging enough to close. No, yeah, and we're definitely going to see Tua by that bye week. Oh yeah, Tua is coming for sure. Tua is coming sooner than later. I mean, years. they
1: almost they didn't commit to Ryan Fitzpatrick until their press conference today. So. Right, yeah.
2: right.
0: So I mean, obviously, it's going to be Tua time down there, and for Miami fans, that's the sole highlight that they're going to be looking at because they haven't had one since uh, the perfect Dolphins.
2: Yeah, enough said. No, and it's got, looking at the Seahawks, it's going to be real interesting here because they've got the Minnesota Vikings coming up this week. Sunday uh, night. Yep, on Sunday night. Then they got a bye week in week six. And coming out of the bye week, they've got Arizona, San Francisco, and Buffalo. Just looking at their schedule, they got Arizona again, Philly, New York, Giants and Jets, uh, Washington, uh, the Rams and the Niners. Uh, just looking at this, I think the only team looking at this, giving them a run is maybe the Rams.
0: Yeah, I would say so, definitely. So all of that being said, Seattle's going to have a good test ahead of them, but it was a good win to come away with. Mm-hmm. And Miami is Miami. Enough said.
2: Yep. Pad. Yeah. Switching over to my leap, uh, I chose the Chicago Bears to defeat the Indianapolis Colts because I figured, ah, yeah, you know what, you bring in Foles, maybe they will spark some something in the in the Bears and really get them going, but. Ended up being wrong. Uh, the Colts ended up winning by the final score of nineteen to eleven. Uh, Philip Rivers, sixteen of twenty-nine for one hundred and ninety yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Nick Foles, twenty-six of forty-two for two hundred and forty-nine yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Coach, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, so obviously the Bears going into this game undefeated. You know, having especially that huge comeback win against Atlanta, switching quarterbacks mid-game. So everybody, you know, probably was jumping on that. I mean. A lot of people were probably jumping on that bad wagon thinking, all right, Nick Foles is in. Now, you know, this Bears team's gonna turn the corner. Nick Foles always seems to come play better as a relief, mm. you know, quarterback anyway. So, you know, now we're and you know, obviously there's question marks as far as their validity of being three mm-hmm. and one, three mm-hmm. and o, playing a you know, couple bad, well, three really bad teams. Yeah. So, you know, they beat the bad teams, which is what you're supposed to do. Um, so you know, you go into this game thinking, all right, the Bears are gonna be in it. And then their their offense is anemic, uh-huh. and I mean they literally couldn't even get anything going. I think that this just shows, uh, like we said last week, that you know it's not Trubinsky, you no. know that obviously yeah. couldn't lead this team. It's that they don't have pieces offensively. Allen yeah. Robinson is a nice piece. But it, he's obviously not a number one right. wide receiver. Let's well, say so right. seven
2: catches for 101 yards and yeah. their lone touchdown.
1: Yeah, which is great. But I mean, is it really you know the threat that you need as far as dynamic playmaking? You know, maybe yeah. not. Yeah. And their run game is terrible. I mean, yeah. Obviously, they've they've had a couple injuries on the uh you know in the running back spot. Their sure. Number one wide, their number one running back is hurt for the year. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that hurts. Um, and then on the flip side, you know the Colts are nice little team yeah. i mean they're they're going to uh make the and uh, of the afc uh south you uh-huh. know they're gonna muddy the water yeah uh, especially with a bad texans team yeah they Ooh. might be able to uh screw around and, and get a uh playoff berth here just yeah. because of you know how the how it's so funny because the upper echelon of teams mm-hmm. they're pretty established yeah you know and then when you talk about the teams that should have been there that aren't it's like there is, no, there is no middle class of NFL teams. It's either you are really good or you are bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the Colts can sneak into that middle class team and, and sneak in and get a playoff berth because they play defense very well. Mm. Yeah. They're very good defensively. Yeah. And, you know, offensively, they're doing enough to get by with Phillip Rivers, you know, going to have his turnovers, but at the same time he's going to have a couple touchdowns and they're
2: able to run the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I
1: don't. I don't think this Colts team is going to go far,
2: but I don't I don't dislike them. You know, I definitely think the Colts will be able to make the playoffs just given how bad that Houston team is, especially just firing their head coach, Bill O'Brien, the other day. But in terms of the Bears, Christ almighty, you got to get something on that offensive side of the ball. You know, like Coach said, their running game, nothing real special. David Montgomery was their leading rusher. Ten carries were 27 yards, zero touchdowns. His longest run was six yards, so not even a first down, and he averaged 2.7 yards per carry. You know, after that, it was Cordell Patterson with three carries for five yards. And then after everybody after that was negative yardage. And like I mentioned, Allen Robinson, seven catches, 101 yards, one touchdown. But OK, at that point, you know, Robinson's going to get the ball, just double cover him and try and get the other guys to beat you, which they didn't. So Foles has got the talent. We've seen that. Hello. Look, as, as much as it pains me to say it, look at the Super Bowl highlights. He's got the talent. If you got the pieces around him, God damn, get him something.
0: You would think that they would be able to turn this around, but since Matt Nagy has been head coach, their offense has not been exactly lighting the world on fire. No. And for being the offensive guru that he was expected to be, we've now gone through how many running backs, albeit though a couple were injuries. Sure, sure. We'll definitely have to consider that. But I they drafted one of them. Yeah, they haven't had exactly top-notch wide receivers. Yeah, your quarterback play has been suspect.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of goes, you know, the old scene trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Well, yeah, he's an offensive-minded coach and offensive guru. Like you're not giving him anything. It, it's like t- it's like trying to get a, a race car driver to win a race, but you're giving him like a you know the original Ford from like 1903. Yeah. You
1: know when you when you talk about the the gurus, mm-hmm. you know, coaching wise nagy you know bill well not so much o'brien but nagy uh matt patricia adam Gase. you know you talk about these guys who are supposed to come in and be you know offensive gurus or Mm -hmm. in patricia's case a defensive guru Mm -hmm. yeah the detroit's defense terrible yeah Yeah. and those two offenses are also really bad yeah so it's like do you really want to be a guru or would you rather just be a moderately good head coach and be successful i like bill belichick obviously was a defensive guru oh yeah you know but it's like yeah his defenses are really good so it backs it up patricia's defense is terrible and these offenses are bad so i would rather just be labeled a good head coach and move on with my day
2: well that's kind of the funny thing with the belichick coaching tree is you kind of look at the guys who branched out from that charlie weiss romeo cornell bill o'brien you know uh, matt patricia like they've had I don't even want to say moderate success for a lot of them, like okay success. Well, but like nobody. R-
1: I'll speak first on Charlie Weiss, an offensive guru who, yeah, was you know obviously Nordame Dame had some really good offenses, but defensively they were poor. Yeah, and I mean he, I guess it's a little different because it's college, sure. But then when you look at Romeo Cornell's Kansas City team, yeah, they were fucking terrible defensively. Yeah. Oh like yeah, like they were literally they were porous. You could have walked into end zones at points. Yeah, so it's like. You know, would you rather just be, you know, like a Joe Judge and just yeah. come in as a special teams coach and yeah. like John Harbaugh, yeah. for example, and just be a special teams coach who just yeah. has knowledge of the game and just go in and be like, oh, well, ho-hum, you know, he's a, yeah. a Steve Spagnuolo in the yeah. Rams. That Those Rams teams were terrible defensively. Oh, yeah. You and, know, and,
2: like. Yeah, and when Bill, I remember being a Penn State fan, I remember when Bill O'Brien was with the, the – Penn State, it was kind of the same thing in instances with Charlie Weis and Notre Dame. To which I kind of wonder if that's not a case of you know when you got a major league ball player going down for a rehab assignment, and he's going to play in like double AA, A, triple A, and he's just mashing homers off the guys because it's the talent level is so far apart from each other. Mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder if in some instances that's kind of the same thing where you got this you got this coach came down from the NFL, so at the highest echelon of the sport, came down a level where you know you're dealing with you know lesser talented players, but you're dealing with a higher level of, of skill and. and play that, oh yeah, it's going to make you look like a god and you're going to look like a golden goose.
0: Well, I think the problem that you have in the NFL is a lot of these uh, coaches that branch off from the Belichick trees, they will say that they have these moments where you are great under the system you're in but when you're the captain of your own ship yeah. you can't keep it afloat yeah. because you're focused on one end of the ship instead of sure. the entire boat. Well, and that's and that's, and that's exactly. Miami. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: exactly what happens. I mean, it's just they, you know, like Bill O'Brien instance, I mean, you know, on top of everything, he was the general manager, but yeah. it's like, you know, this week he says I'm going to dabble in more, you know, and to me this is what was the the straw that broke the camel's back is here you're going to come in and say, "All right, I'm going to take over play calling duty." And then your offense plays terrible. Yeah, it's like, or they just don't have a great day, and you still lose. It's like you can't put more ownership on yourself, and then not have the actual owner say, "All right, you're my GM, you're my head coach, and now you're my offensive coordinator, and we suck at all three of those faces or asset fa- facets of the game." Mm. Yeah, you got to go. And and in this instance with the Jets, same thing. And Gase. The offense is terrible. You know, it's like something's got to give at some point. I know we're getting off, you know, sidetracked here, which no, is but what it, I do. it all falls but under the same, same umbrella. Yeah, same umbrella. Nagy here was brought in, and they drafted Trubinsky with the idea of Nagy was a former college quarterback at mm-hmm. a very elite level, could have played in the NFL, but things didn't break his way. But he's a very good quarterback mind and couldn't groom Trubinsky into being an elite quarterback. Yeah. And now you had to go out and get Nick Foles, and then he comes out and doesn't put on a great game either. So so the is, bl- it, is it him
0: or what, you know? Well, that's what you have to look at, and I think that obviously it falls on Nagy. Yeah. And I think that it has to go to that coach because this has been your system you've had, and you've been here a couple seasons now. You're not producing. Right. And you are the common denominator in this equation. So say what you will, we haven't seen enough, and I know that you're starting out 3-1, and one, and I think that record is very fabricated very oh funny. sure sure that I think your defense if I had Khalil Mack in my backfield too I'd be looking okay
3: yeah
1: well I mean you talk about a rival in that division LaFleur who was an offensive guru mm-hmm. who now looks brilliant because Aaron Rodgers is going in saying oh my headset doesn't work and calling his own plays. Yeah. Rem- reminiscent very much of Peyton Manning so sure. that's what I say yeah. when you
0: have players that are, can step up and cover up a lot of band-aids yeah your head coach will look like a genius. For Chicago, you don't have that. You have a you have a very good defense with one very star player, mm-hmm. but other than that, you really don't have a lot. And you're going to have to really see what your team is made of moving forward. Three and one is great to start, but you're not exactly getting trophies at the end of September. Nope. As for the Colts, the Colts are what we thought they were going to be. An there eight and eighteen. We, thought we, we are, there are We thought they were exactly. We know when Phillip Rivers is good, they're going to be on point. Jonathan Taylor is an emerging running back. And he's put on some great performances since he's taken over the starting role. And I'm very glad, well, prior to COVID, had Jonathan
1: Taylor enter the draft so Notre Dame didn't have to play him this year because they <laughs> were scheduled to play Wisconsin, and
2: he's a nightmare. Yeah. So just one question, though. Uh, since they are who we thought they were, and I got one just one question, and God rest his man's soul. Uh, as a man once said, are we going to crown him? They can crown their ass.
0: Exactly. And you can't crown anybody yet. But for Indianapolis, they could sneak by in a very weak division. Yeah. So we we'll kind of have to wait to see how they play out. Mm-hmm. Coach, let us shift the ball to you. Who do you have for your lock?
1: Well, I'm going to start with my leap so I oh, can I go into my lock. Because obviously, it. yeah, you know, I, I that's going to take a little bit longer. <laughs> but I had the Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. against the San Francisco 49ers, mm-hmm. which I. I'm glad that I was right cuz the yeah. Eagles
2: won this game, pad. Yeah. Go. So uh, the Eagles, like you said, defeated the 49ers by the final score of 25 to 20. Carson Wentz, 18 of 28 for 193 yards passing, one touchdown, one interceptions. Uh Nick Mullins, 18 of 26 for 200 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Also, CJ what is that? Bethard. Uh Bethard, yeah. Uh 14 mm-hmm. of 19 for 138 yards passing, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, so I don't know how they go into the Meadowlands
1: or MetLife Stadium. I'm sorry, put a absolute whooping mm-hmm. on the Giants. Th- this the being the 49ers mm-hmm. the week before, mm-hmm. then come back home, mm-hmm. have some good old. I mean, this is again, mind you, they they were back to back weeks in New York. Yeah. So now they're coming home, you know, to play home cooking. Yep. Sunday night football. Yep. Debo Samuel's back. Mm-hmm. Mullins played really well against the Giants. George Kittle's back. George Kittle's back.
2: George Kittle had a monster
1: game. Well, I mean, that's because Nick Mullins was throwing it to him even when he was sitting on the sidelines, man. Yeah. It didn't matter where he was sitting. George Kittle was getting the ball and Mullins was in. It's like playing um, Kobe
2: in 2K, one button, Yeah. shoot.
1: Um, so it's like I don't understand You know what happened to this 49er team because it's not like Philadelphia played great. No. They are not a good football team no. in any shape, way, or form. Any any way that you look at it, they are bad. Their
2: their leading rusher was Miles Sanders, 13 carries for 46 yards. Leading receiver was a gentleman I've never even heard of, Travis Fulgham, two catches for 57 yards uh, and one touchdown. Yeah,
1: even when I don't don't know what the hell I was smoking when I said that they were going to win a wild card because they are a
2: bad (laughs) football team. Now that I look at it, uh, they must have some injuries because I only recognize one receiver listed in the box score here, that being Zach Ertz. Well, Ward is there too, uh, the former Navy. What quarterback. But yeah, they
1: no, they're in, they're decimated with injuries, yes. Uh-huh. But even when they're not, it's not like Alshon Jeffries is exactly playing football to the point where you're like, Oh, that's the guy that left Chicago and went to Philly, you know, like mm-hmm. he's been a shell of himself, especially now that the injuries have added up. Um, I mean, uh uh, number ten there, Deshaun Jackson yep. yeah. is playing terrible. He's not the same, you know. Like, now that injuries not, are adding up,
2: he's a shell of him. Yeah, he's well, he, a must, shell. he must be injured because he's not even listed on. The no, he's out. Yep, uh, yeah. Dallas
1: Gordaire, uh their other tight end, who was arguably going to take Ertz's uh, spot, well, he is now injured and on IR
2: too. So it's well, like yeah.
1: they're decimated. I get it but they're
2: not good when they're there. (laughs) i will say, hey, from the plus side for Philly, Jalen Hurts looks like he saw some game time. Uh, Credit for one fumble.
0: Yeah. Well, it is going to be what it's going to be with Philly because they're decimated with injuries, but they're scrapping by, and I think where they snuck a win in here because the Niners took them too lightly. I think for as bad as the Niners have been decimated by injuries, Mm -hmm. and grand, they did get some help back, they still took this team too lightly. And I feel that when you do this, you're going to get caught. Like this, honestly, felt like a trap game to me. As weird as this sounds, it well, really who do they have next week? The
2: Niners have Miami next week. Oh, So this
0: definitely wasn't a trap game. Yeah,
2: this was. Oh, I'll say, are they looking two weeks ahead because they got the Rams on in week six? You almost, yeah. have,
0: you almost have to wonder because I think when they were coming off the their last game there.
2: They were like, okay, we got an easy game with Philly. We got an easy one with Miami. Maybe there's something to that because you look at kind of all the social media and the memes that have been going around and, and fans, you know, not not even, not even from players or, or coaches, but like the memes are going around are just about how bad the NFC East is. Yeah. That there's that one meme where I think it's supposed to be like a cartoon head of, of the dragon monster from Godzilla, and they all got the goofy faces, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just all – Ghidorah, got, I think. Ghidorah, yeah, Ghidorah from Godzilla, and it's got all the logos of the NFC East teams maybe there's something to that, that they came into the Meadowlands, you know, MetLife Stadium, and beat the Giants. And were like, hey, you know what? We may be down a bunch of guys, but we're still a pretty damn good football team. Yeah. Oh, no, look at how bad this this NFC East is. We're playing another NFC East team. We're going to roll these guys, and it's no problem. We got this in the bag. Surprise. Yeah, I, feel, I fully think that. That's why I
0: say it felt like a trap game to me, because the way that they came out, and now, granted, they had a bigger fight from the Giants than I thought they were going to have. Yeah. But to travel out and with how much of a dumpster fire Philly's been, yeah. I figured that they thought they were going to just turn it on and roll. We had Kittle coming back. We had Samuel right, coming back. right, we had everybody.
2: And, right, and at halftime, it's only 8-7 to seven, Philly, and then after the third quarter, it's 14-11 to 11, uh, San Francisco. But then in the fourth quarter, Philly puts up 14 to year 6.
0: Yeah, so I think that they ultimately – just took him too lightly and, yeah. and give credit to Philly. They scrapped. Yeah. They did what they had to do. It was not a pretty game by any stretch of the no, imagination. No. But
1: no, I mean, this is a bad Philly team. No, it's a bad. Yeah, it's a and bad. This to me with the 49ers, I mean, you come back, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is obviously your number one guy. He's mm-hmm. hurt. You know, you I, for whatever reasons, you know, Moen's played really well, but you have him on a short leash mm-hmm. against Philly for no reason. I mean, yeah, all right, he's not playing great, but it's like. You got to reward the guy for how he played the week before. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can't just put a guy on a short leash just because of one poor outing when he's not even your number one guy anyway. Yeah, I don't. To me, that I think that was the most of the cause for the downfall of the game. Even though they, you know, only lost by five, it's like yeah. you know you don't know what Mullins would have been able to turn around after halftime. And, right. that's, and
0: that's where you have to trust in your backups. But like I said, Bethart came in fourteen for nineteen, nothing right home about. But Mullins definitely deserved a chance to kind of dig himself out of the hole. Sure. And for as bad as Philly is, Frisco, being one of the upper echelon teams, didn't show it, and they they let him on the hook. Or and they got the W stolen from them. So it's like for
2: Frisco, this next game against Miami is a must win. Uh huh. And It's going to be real interesting after that. Holy shit. Break it it down. So like we mentioned, uh, this coming week, they uh, they play at home against Miami, uh, and then week six they play at home against the uh, Rams. Then in week seven they travel to New England. Week eight they travel to Seattle. Week nine they play the Packers at home. Week 10 they travel to New Orleans and play the Saints, and then week 11 they have their bye
0: week. That is a brutal stretch. So I'm going to say this right now. If San Francisco doesn't win by 10 against Miami, mm-hmm. it's cause for concern. It's cause for concern. They're awash. Because like, I will tell you this. They'll be lucky if they split that run mm-hmm. to their bye week. Yeah. And they need to go in there with some momentum. They need to put on a statement performance. If they don't, forget about it. Mm-hmm. And it's so wild to think that how quickly the season can collapse. You know, granted, I get that there's injuries. yeah. yeah. But you have to show me something against the weaker teams. I'm sorry, Miami is a definite weaker team. Yeah. For Philly. uh,
2: They're going to get punched in the mouth next week. Uh, They're traveling to Pittsburgh and playing the Steelers. Good night. And then the week week after, they're playing Baltimore. Yikes. Uh, They're going to get punched in the mouth two weeks in a row. And that's not just because they're Philly. It's because Pittsburgh punches people in the mouth.
0: Yeah. Pittsburgh, you know you're going to grind. You're going to grind for four quarters. Coach. And my lock.
2: Well, what? felt like a lot was the rams versus the giants uh-huh. pad go ahead so the uh, rams uh won by the final score of 17 to 9 jared goff 25 of 32 for 200 yards one touchdown zero interceptions daniel jones 26 of 36 for 190 yards zero touchdowns one interception and i just want to take this moment to say the thoughts views and opinions upcoming here are that of coach duffy and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts views and opinions of ken m or myself or the odph you uh listener discretion is advised
1: I mean, all I'll say is I the Rams were favored by twelve. Mm-hmm. The line pushed to thirteen Saturday morning. Ooh. They, I thought they had this in the bag, and they played terrible. I'm if astounded
2: I, they kept us on uh, national TV I as mean, late as it did. Although uh, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't think they can flex games. They can. can't. And I
1: mean, the Rams. I mean, if I'm a Rams fan, I'm pissed. I'm not happy with this performance against the Giants no. because they were in this game up until you know Daniel Jones threw a, you know another timely. New York Giants quarterback interception in the red zone right. um, this was brutal the Rams should be pissed fans should be pissed uh, do the fans even care because like they never show up to the
0: games no no they're like Miami fans. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, they can't show up the games right well, now. Well, so. normal circumstances. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think they care because if you're a Rams fan, you watch the way that this team just performed against you know a team that the Niners just put an absolute ass kicking on the week before with mm-hmm. backups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, good for the Giants for coming out and being inspired and playing a little bit better football. I mean, they only gave up five sacks. The offensive line actually looked moderately okay. I mean, What's Aaron just saying something. Yeah, I thought Aaron Donald. I thought. Uh, Aaron Darnold was gonna, or Donald, yeah. I thought he was gonna absolutely just break the Giants back. I thought Uh he was gonna bane every offensive lineman we had, and the Giants held their own. Kudos to them. They still, you know, they found a way to run the ball, which was a miracle. Uh, Golden Tate showed more fight after the game than during the game, and you know that's you know is what it is. I mean, you know, you want to have a little more energy post game. That's fine by you, you know. You guy, you know, you got some beef with Jalen Ramsey. Good for you for handling it after the game because he fucked you up during the game. Yeah. yeah. That tackle, if you haven't seen it, go search for it. Daniel, I mean, Jalen Ramsey got put or put Goulton Tate into a body bag. He absolutely he spine busted him. Yeah. It was, I mean, brutal. Um, if the Giants don't draft Trevor Lawrence in this upcoming draft, if they do have the first pick in the draft, I will be furious because. This team is bad, and I know that trading down, you know, getting extra picks, yeah, that ladi da sounds great. Trevor Lawrence is a once in a lifetime generational quarterback. You have to take him. If you don't, you are uh, bad for you. You're you're just a bad
2: franchise. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's really that's I'm you know go ahead. You know, the Rams should have absolutely shredded the Giants during this game because the Giants not really much going on, Mm -hmm. not a whole lot good going for them. Leading rusher Malcolm Brown from nine carries for thirty seven yards. K. Probably should have gotten more there. And your leading receiver was Cooper Cup, five catches for 69 yards and one touchdown. So, like, you barely beat them. You know, the, congratulations, you got a win in the, in the win column. But this isn't exactly one to, like, feather in your cap or put up on the refrigerator when you get home.
0: No, it definitely wasn't. I think the one thing the Giants did well is they figured out enough of the Rams' offense to slow them down, meaning they kept Robert Woods pretty much in check for the game. They didn't let him do his little screen run out to the sides as much as other teams have let happen. I.e., the Bills. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to tell you. Well, when you keep when you keep him to thirty five yards, and on the ground you keep him to two. You're doing a good job of slowing them down. Well, what I
1: what I will say is that the Giants' secondary mm-hmm. as and they are injured. You yeah. know, I mean Jabril Peppers is out. Uh, Xavier McKinney, the rookie out of Alabama, has been hurt since the you know training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they've had injuries. They brought in Logan Ryan. Um, they played really, really well in the secondary, yeah. which mm-hmm. was shocking to me because. The week before, not so much. No, like the charges. Yeah, and I thought you know what really the Rams were going to play to was their run game. I thought they were just going to pound the ball up the middle because the Giants' defensive line has not been very good against the run, and they didn't do that. And they and I I mean I, I again like you said the the Giants figured out them offensively,
0: mm-hmm. and that's what kept them in the game. And I will say this, I thought the McVeigh should have done that too. I thought they should have ran the ball, even though it's a running back co- by committee. I think sure. I was supposed to get drafted and, and run for him this week. Well, I mean, Brown, you know, they the running back by committee, I pick up Henderson
1: thinking like, even if it's a running back by committee, you know, they're going to give the ball the hot hand. Yeah. And at one point, you know, yeah, Brown had a solid stretch, but... I mean, he wasn't doing anything to push the needle, and they
0: left him in for like three, four series after halftime.
1: And that was head-scratching.
0: Well, because McVay, I don't think, in my opinion, can manage a running game. No. I honestly think ever since you guys run to the Super Bowl. When you have Todd Gurley in his prime, that makes up for a lot of mistakes. Sure.
1: Well, because you can run right, run left, and you just can trust that he's going to break a run.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. The, and then they had, what, C.J. Henderson as his backup that year, so it was a good Well, they, picked, one to, him they yeah. picked him up late. Yeah. Yeah. But looking at the team they have now, okay, you show that if you can stop the run early, just, just slow down should I say because they weren't really stopping the run. McVeigh goes to what he knows best. Screen passes and dumps to the tight end. The Giants picked up on that early. Yeah. which what that was the more telling thing to me is okay, McVeigh, you got hit with a with a counter punch. You had nothing to really retaliate with. You kept working the jab. I know I'm mixing sports, but this is how it broke down.
1: No, I mean, and that's what a lot. Of, you see a lot of these coaches that stem from a West Coast offensive mm-hmm. tree. Yeah. So you know Gruden from uh, the famous uh, 49er tree of um oh my Bill god Walsh. Bill Walsh. You know he extends down from that. You see that those West Coast style offensive coaches. Eventually, you know, if the run doesn't work, they will opt for screen passes and dinks and dumps to alleviate what the run's not doing. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem to me because you have to commit. It's not that you have to commit to the run, but you have to understand that
0: you need to be able to run the ball. Exactly. And that's one thing that McVay, I think, has struggled doing. And I think that when they got to their Super Bowl run, he got by on a lot. And the
1: other thing that was weird too by this Rams team that McVay does a lot, but did not do this game, which was successful when they did it. They scored their you know that one touchdown early in the game. Tempo. Yeah. The Rams always run tempo, and they did not against the Giants except for
0: that first series. It could have been another situation where they took them too lightly too. Which I mean, it's yeah for sure. It's just a weird scenario to see the McVay who everybody is hyping up as being the next Bill Belichick. Can't figure out I what don't. The fuck, he's doing. I don't see it. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, like, like he has flashes of brilliance, but I'll tell you what—they're like Snapchat flashes. Yeah, they don't last. And he can do great in one quarter, but the other three you're looking at it and going, what the hell are you doing? Because yeah. I can't figure you out.
1: I mean, that's why, as a Giants fan, yeah, all right, this is a it's a loss, and it's brutal because, you know, you have the chance to get back in the game with, like, a minute 15 left, and then ja- Daniel Jones, you know, throws that young quarterback interception of forcing the ball instead of making the smart play, mm-hmm. which young quarterbacks are going to do. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if I was a Rams fan, I, that's why I'm not happy. Yeah. You cannot – you know, sit here and look at the way that the Giants played last week against the Niners, and come up and only win by you know eight points. Yeah. To uh, to me, that's uh, that's the more frustrating thing. I mean, as a Giants fan, this is a great bad loss. <laughs> no, I agree as, with you. As a no, Rams yeah. fan, this is a
0: bad good. W- this is a bad win. Mm-hmm. This is an extremely bad win because you nearly lost this. You yep. should you should have lost this. You uh, actually, no, no, I'll say this because you if you were a better team. You need to impose that will and send that message. Yeah, this should
1: have been, I thought the Rams would easily hang 30.
2: I'll say, yeah. there, there's no reason that entering the fourth quarter, this game, this game should have been 10-6. Exactly.
1: Facts. Oh, and I mean, the Giants let you off the hook because they couldn't get third-down conversions within the in the red zone. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were terrible in the red
0: zone. So you're lucky a bad team didn't hang up, hang up about 21 on you, to yeah. be honest with you. So for the Rams, you have got a ton of work to do because – you're not falling in the who is Atlanta, what is Atlanta conversation, but will the real L.A. Rams please stand up? Mm-hmm. Is That's going to be the question. At least
1: just a stab. I mean, if you're going to do a running back by committee, then you should be getting them touches. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Pat, hey, you got that schedule up for
2: them? Yeah, so uh, this upcoming week they play. They travel to Washington and play them. Uh, the week after, they travel to San Francisco and play the Niners. After that, they play Chicago and Miami, and then their bye week is week nine. Uh, flipping over to the Giants, they've got a very heavy NFC schedule here. They play Dallas this coming week, uh, Washington the week after, Philly the week after that, and then they've got Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philly before their bye week in week Eleven.
0: Well, the Giants will be facing division, so who knows what you are going to get out of them? <laughs> I uh-huh. mean, because that is just a dumpster fire of a division. That
1: Dallas, Dallas wide receiver corp, though, against the secondary does make me nervous because oh. while the, the Woods and the Cups, you know, don't run those deep routes, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper are going to be and Gallup are going to be. Galloping down
0: the field, if Mm -hmm. you will. Your fantasy football advice is load up on the Cowboys this week. I mean, yeah, I mean, my,
1: yeah, I would say if you have Des Bryant who's already, you know, on pace for like, Seventeen thousand yards this year, or some. Wait, I say. All right, uh, Dak Prescott. Yeah, it was on pace to throw like seventeen thousand yards. Got him on one of my fans. You teams. might want to start him.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show that the NFC East is that bad. So. And if you have
1: Zeke, you might want to sit him because they might throw a hundred passes.
0: Yeah, this might be a career day for Dak. And <laughs> he literally might
1: my throw hundred. Would appreciate it. Yeah. yeah,
0: and for the Rams traveling again, facing the NFC East, you got a big matchup against Frisco in division. Yeah. You have to show a better performance than you did against the Giants. That's all there is to it. Like Washington, I believe the point spread currently is 11 right now. Yo. You need to hit that. You got to hit that. So that will be the homework assignment for the Rams if they are the real Rams because I want to see which real Rams team steps up. So that being said, I guess we will go to my locks and leaps, and Mm -hmm. I will start off with the leap. Okay. Now, prior to making this, Cam Newton was still in the lineup. I'm not using this as an excuse because I stuck with my leaps. I didn't flip it. I didn't go back and forth. I took the Patriots because I said Bill Belichick would be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes and then we'd have a really good game. Obviously if Cam had been in the lineup it probably would have been a very different story. Mm-hmm.
2: But it was what it was. Pad, you want to break it down? Yeah, so the Kansas City Chiefs won by a final score of twenty six to ten. Uh Patrick Mahomes, nineteen of twenty nine for two hundred and thirty six yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, and then Brian Hoyer, fifteen of twenty four for one hundred and thirty yards passing, zero touchdowns, one interception. And then Jarrett Stidham, five of thirteen for sixty yards, one touchdown, two interceptions.
1: Coach, your thoughts. <sighs> I mean the Chiefs offensively are, again, I've said it last week, I'll probably say it every week, just like the Trevor Lawrence thing for the Giants. They're, they're. I mean, you cannot cover them. It is literally impossible to cover this Chiefs offense. Tyreek Hill, too much of a threat. Their run game, too much of a threat. Sammy Watkins, tight ends, offensive linemen. You never know what they're going to throw at you. You never know what formation they're going to throw at you. It's, Patrick Mahomes is untouchable. I mean, they literally... I don't know what team outside of like the '85 Bears defense, mixed with like Lawrence Taylor and Carson of the Giants linebackers and Deion Sanders in the secondary, with you know Rod Woodson as a safety. I don't know what
2: team could stop them defensively because they are that good offensively. The thing of it is, though, the blueprint's there if you watch some of the highlights from this game because going into halftime. New England only gave up two field goals to him. Sure, and and I've tweeted it during the game. The you know the the offense for the Pats had to score here because the defense can only keep Mahomes contained for so long. Eventually, the dam's going to break and he's going to score. And they held him for the longest time. And and dear NFL head coaches that have to play the Kansas City Chiefs either some point down the road or potentially in the playoffs, the blueprint on how to beat them is there. The Pats did it. They showed you how you beat them. They were putting and they're bringing down uh, linebackers who you didn't know if they were going to blitz or not, but then they drop them in the flat, forcing Mahomes to run around and, and do what I like to call schoolyard bullshit and just run around, run around, run around, run around while everybody's covered. The only thing that held the Pats back was those costly turnovers on offense yeah you know which again had cam been in the game would not have happened he would not have held on to the ball too long like brian hoyer did he would not have held on you know the two times he did that you know wouldn't have thrown the interceptions that jared stidham had i this would have been a lot closer of a game and the blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs is there.
0: I fully agree with you, Pat. I think that the Patriots schemed Patrick Mahomes very well. Mm-hmm. I just think that offensively the Patriots really struggled without Cam. And I yeah. think you can see it was a day and night difference. Oh, yeah. They got the running game going. I mean, Damian Harris had 100 yards. Off
2: he, off the practice squad.
0: Yeah, which he probably won't play next week because that's how Bill Belichick rolls. Probably. So just get fair warning for your well, no, he
2: might. No, he might because, uh, what is it, uh, Sonny Michel is on, on IR. IR
0: yeah. So he's out for a few weeks. So anything's possible. But like I say, it's just... The joke with the Patriots is you never know who's going to step up for him.
2: And this defense surprised the hell out of me because I, like I said, I did not know what I was going to get out of this defense because we we're missing nine defensive starters, but mm-hmm. they surprised the shit out of me. Here's here's the thing though,
1: and I, I understand and respect you know you guys saying that the blueprint is there because yeah, up till halftime, yeah, they held them to two field goals. Well, what happened after t- t- after halftime? Kansas City
0: made adjustments.
1: Kansas That's City- the problem. You gotta you gotta punch. You got counter punch. And New England didn't react fast enough to their counterpunch. And that's what's going. That's what would have kept them in the game. So, all right, yeah, I mean, that's great that they showed the initial blueprint. But the problem is Kansas City counterpunches.
0: Well, I think, though, they also got away from what they were holding them back on offense, which the running game, like I say, was very good in the first half. The second game, second half, it really wasn't, in my opinion. They, it wasn't as efficient. I well, should what, I say. What
2: happened was, off, like I said, offensive mistakes. You come out of the half, Patriots fumbled the ball, led to a Kansas City touchdown. Sure, came back and scored their own, but Kansas City answered them back. Then they had that pick six, which led to a touchdown for Kansas City. Mahomes didn't even have to touch the field. Yeah, so it was just costly mistakes from you know Jared Stedham, who well, from again because of COVID. Yeah, Hoyer knows the system, and I figured, all right, if there's a guy... But he's who, still Brian Hoyer. He's, he's Brian right. Hoyer, but I figured, all right, this is a guy who knows the offense, knows what the plays are, knows the guys, been there long enough, doesn't give us a real great shot to win, but it gives us some shot to win, but obviously didn't have it. Stidham looked, eh, okay. He looked, he
0: looked, he looked serviceable.
2: He looked serviceable, but <laughs> you could tell he was nervous as all hell. Great. Oh, yeah. He was looking his hands every five He looked seconds. like Cam
1: Newton's going to get a long-term contract. Yeah. is yeah. what he looked yeah. like.
2: Yeah. So, You know, it's a loss,
1: but it's not a bad loss. And I definitely, I don't want to discredit what you guys said because I believe it. Yeah, Yeah. they put a blueprint out there. You know, you can always, the narrative of Cam Newton being in this game changes the game. But on the flip side of it, Cam Newton being in this game might also change
0: New England's game. True. Or change Kansas City's game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, there's so so many different variables with this. Yeah. It's just for the first half, Belichick showed how to slow down the Chiefs. I think if they had a better offensive production Mm -hmm. in the second half, it would have been a lot closer, yeah. but give credits to the Chiefs because Andy Reid made those adjustments. Which I'll be honest, you don't really see him do too much of in no. the second half. No. Well, I mean, I well, I
1: I know you know Andy Reid is the is the heck, but the offensive coordinators he calls the plays. Yeah, yeah. I, and the gentleman's name escapes me every time, and I know we mentioned him last oh, week, Eric. Um, yeah, he you know he's the one that made obviously him and Reid you know. Uh, reads the head coach so he has final say but you know they make decisions together and the offensive coordinator does call plays for them so i mean it it goes to show that you know the guy deserves a head coaching job Eric yeah. Benemy Eric Benemy i mean he's a great offensive coordinator i mean the and listen i i definitely think that New England is a very good team and just like when the, you know the Giants had that you know the run against that undefeated team, and you know that game week seventeen, yeah. you know the Giants were in it up until you know late in the third quarter when New England you know pulled away. Oh, the Giants you know showed what you need to do. Yes and no. I mean, the Giants knew what you need. You needed to get pressure on the quarterback. The problem is with Kansas City. Yeah, all right. You limit the run game. You force the ball in the Patrick's hands. You put pressure on the You you know you do all this and that. But it's like all right. The counterpunch is going to be we're going to screen for Travis Kelsey yeah. and he's going to run umpteen trillion miles on you and probably score a touchdown. Or we're going to bubble screen Tyreek Hill, you know, or we're going to end around Sammy Watkins. It's like mm-hmm. it's just an endless counterpunch of, of, of things that, you know, really makes me think that, you know, they're definitely better than Baltimore mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're definitely better, sorry, Ken, than the Bills. Oh, I'll give you that. <laughs> and, you know, they're uh, definitely better than New England. And I mean, when it comes to the NFC, I don't think there's a single team that can touch them offensively, let alone defensively. So, you know, once New England, once Kansas City maybe plays a little bit better defensively, because I agree, I thought they didn't look great defensively, even though they only gave up 10 points. Still an ugly 10 points. Mm -hmm. Um, If they turn around and if Cam Newton's in this game, it is closer.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I just, I, I really, I mean, Kansas City's too much. Yeah. yeah, as right now, I fully agree with you. I'm, I'm going to say they're the best team in the AFC. They might be the best team in the whole NFL. They are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that is debatable. Yeah. I say we can have that discussion.
1: I don't know who you would put from the NFC.
0: Well, you got to kind of look at Green Bay. Sure. That's how you like that segue. So, going for the lock. I have to say, though, Green Bay is playing – well, let me rephrase this. Aaron Rodgers might be able to take on Kansas City by himself. The
2: man's a savage.
0: He is an absolute savage because for as great as Kansas City has played, and don't get me wrong, I mean, they have a great test this week against the Raiders coming up. They should be winning games and putting on performances like they did. They made great second-half adjustments. But when you flip the coin to the a- or to the NFC, there's only one team that is really carrying the offensive juggernaut per se, along with Seattle, I should say, rather. But Aaron Rodgers is playing that Mahomes level, if not better, and you even saw during that game, Pad, You got those stats?
2: Yeah. So Green Bay won by the final score of thirty to sixteen. Aaron Rodgers, twenty-seven of thirty-three for 327 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, and on the flip side, Matt Ryan, twenty-eight of thirty-nine for two hundred and eighty-five yards passing, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Coach, who is Atlanta? I don't even want to talk about. Porque is Atlanta? They're, dumps- they're <laughs> a dumpster fire. I don't even want to.
1: I'm, I want to talk Green Bay, in Green Bay only,
2: because <laughs> I don't. Atlanta's not even team to me. Burn it down. Burn the building down also I got to give a shout out to the 30 and nerdy podcast uh, what in tarnation is Atlanta shout <laughs> out Tyler Mack. what up uh, green bay is very good
1: you pair them with Kansas City though and you put this into a you know slugfest fa- it That's wouldn't a be a slugfest it'd be a shootout That's a shoot yeah. you put them in a shootout and i don't think green bay even though you know i just you know went back and looked at these games you know only uh 8 point win you know uh, 8-point or 9-point win against the Vikings, a very bad Vikings team who has not looked good since that game, even though they did just beat the Texans, but I could beat we'll the get Texans. A little bit. Um, you know, then you look at a 20-point win against the Lions. Well, we just talked about how Matt Patricia's defense is terrible there. Mm-hmm. And then they have a 7-point win against the Saints. Well, you know, the Saints do have a pretty good defense, so alright, kudos there. But then you look at a 14-point win against this team mm-hmm. as I will refer to them from now on. Um and you know what does that really show me that Kansas City's probably going to put 50 on
0: them? it's a it's a debatable question because yeah. the one thing that i took away from this game is aaron rodgers is playing like a man possessed and he wants to really stick it to everyone, which we we talked about on this show so
1: i loved if the you quote. did you watch the pregame at yes. all uh, booger McFarlane was like he was so Steve Young got interviewed and they were like, you know, how does this, you know, how do you think this makes Rogers feel? And he said, you know, oh, this is gonna push him, you know, this is what, you know, might be the motivational factor that he needs. And then Booger came back with, you know, this, well, I you know, he's not comparing himself to this. He's comparing himself to to the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Mannings. And Steve Young was like, I don't disagree, but if you don't think that he's looking at the fact that a young man was drafted the number one pick in the middle of his career, with all the things that he watched this franchise do while he was drafted in the first round, and Brett Favre was playing in front of him. Mm-hmm. You're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, this is motivation. And even Young was like, I went through this in San Francisco. When I was released from Tampa Bay and went to San Francisco, I watched you know them force out Montana and, and put me into play. So you know Aaron Rodgers is watching this. Mm-hmm. this. This, yeah, okay, yeah, he might be, you know, he might be comparing himself to Tom Brady, but he's looking behind him, and yeah, he might be playing nice, but in his mind, as you said, the dude is a savage. Yeah, he is absolutely using this
0: esteem. Uh huh. I have to read this quote before I hand it to Pat because on the Pat McAfee show, I was just about to read the same quote. Well, yep. I'll let you take it if you want. Yeah. So
2: on the Pat McAfee show, uh, in regards to his quote unquote. Down years, he said. quote, "I sometimes laugh when people talk about down years for me because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. It's, it's just facts, bro." He's a savage, dude.
0: He gets it. Yeah, he gets it. And, I mean, and his team is answering too because, like we say, his head coach—I don't even think is existent. <laughs> like this reminds me of—I'm of, of, sorry. Like it, it yeah. literally, it, this is—you could call him the Green Bay Rodgers because literally it is Aaron Rodgers' team, and he's doing whatever the hell he wants. It. Uh-huh. And you know what? His head coach is it's doing the smart thing. He is not saying a damn word this week. Well, season. you
1: saw last year when he did yeah. try to say something. You yeah. know, you saw that Dallas game on yeah. th- uh, not Thanksgiving, but that Sunday afternoon game, and mm-hmm. you know, you definitely saw after that it was a yeah. defer to yeah. you know whatever Mister Rogers as Matt Lafleur should probably reference him as yes. for the rest of the year. And kudos to him. That's smart coaching. Yeah. That will get that yeah. will keep your job.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> definitely going to earn his job. And I think for Rogers, there you have a dominant hold in the NFC North. And you have to think that they're one of the odds-on favorites for the NFC title. Mm-hmm. I mean, I again,
1: you know, they beat the Saints in New Orleans. Now, mm-hmm. this is again without fans, though. So, like, well, you have to this th- is this is huge for Aaron Rodgers because his one ability, and they talked about it on, um, you know, everybody's been talking about, but in particular, they talked about it on the NBC broadcast with his ability to hard count and how well he is. Like, he's the since like two thousand <laughs> Like ten, mm-hmm. he's the number one rated quarterback as far as free play yep. successes. That's great because again, it's a free play. So if you if they if you hike the ball and they're off sides and the you know the refs let it play oh on, God, yeah, you know and if you, Rogers is a master, yeah, if you if you jump them and you're able to get a free play off of it and you're still scoring touchdowns or or first downs off of it. At the end of the day, all right, you miss it. It's still first and five. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he literally, that success rate, you know, without fans is a huge help because, you know, who knows in New Orleans, you know, he might not get them to jump off sides as much.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So – Again,
2: though, kudos to him for taking advantage of what's in front of him. I'll so say the other thing, too, is, yeah, the fans play, fa- fans, or no fans play a factor into it. But the other thing we like with a lot, as much as Peyton Manning, the number of times I had to watch the Patriots go up against that uh, him, and he had two minutes, two timeouts, and had, a, had to make up a, uh, a deficit. Sure. Scared the shit out of me and took years off my life. I got gray hairs because of Peyton Manning. Rodgers scares me more because you got a lot of quarterbacks who are lethal for maybe about 30, 40 yards out, give or take. Rodgers is lethal from the other side of the 50. Let's not forget that one Monday night game or Sunday night game, whatever the hell game it was, in Detroit where he aired a Hail Mary from the other side of the 50, tossed it into the end zone, and whoever the receiver was went up and got it.
0: Yeah, I think it was a Monday night game. Yeah, yeah. Monday night game. Yeah. Roger
2: Rogers is lethal and does not need a chip on his shoulder. That, Like we said, he, he, he's got a huge chip on his shoulder and for all the justified reasons. But if I'm the head coach, Matt LaFleur, suggest a play, but at this point, if he doesn't do it, don't argue with the results. They're 4-0, and and Rodgers has uh, over 1,200 yards passing, good for fifth in the league. 13 touchdowns, which is good for second in the league zero interceptions, which is tied for first in the league, and a 92.8 QBR, which is first in the league.
0: All mind you, without his number 1 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He does it by wide receiver by committee. But I will say one thing that has been overlooked a little bit is sure. the play of Aaron Jones. Yes. that He finally has a running back to balance him out. I think the yes. first well, time since we've seen a, a running back in Green Bay since I'm on Green who's really least. stepped that up. I
1: mean, I think uh, Jamal Williams, too, is a very good compliment as well. I mean, he, he doesn't get as much credit as, you know, uh, Jones does, but – Yeah, I mean, this is the first time that they've really built, you know, a true run game that he can rely on. That makes it easier for him to throw, you know, you know, stretch the field a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, though. I think it's Aaron Rodgers as a threat that helps open up the run game. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I mean, yeah, it's kind of a give and take, you know, almost of a, a chicken came before the egg situation.
0: Yeah, it definitely is, but for Green Bay, you gotta be really happy with the success you have thus far for yeah. the other team. Uh, we've already said blow up your entire team organization and everything, everything. And connected to it. Just everything. Just give it, it to a ten year old playing just
2: give it to a ten year old playing Madden they got a better shot of running that team. It
0: yeah. stinks. Yeah, we gotta get that sound here from three FN. <laughs> oh uh, my god. I mean, what else can you really say about that? So let's go into our red zone offense here. Coach, final takeaways from this weekend. Well, I mean, I thought this weekend was, uh, you know, I
1: guess I'll touch on Houston. Let us okay. let me go there. Yeah. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien obviously, you know, was put in a position of head coach, um, you know, and uh, general manager, you know. Probably a little early in his career than necessarily what should have been earned. Way too much power. Yeah, way too much power early, um, especially when you look at the fact that really few head coaches outside of Bill Belichick, Parcells, and, you know, for the most intensive person, uh, uh, God, I just said Pete Carroll, Mm -hmm. you know, in Seattle. You know, it's just – it's very difficult, especially when you – I mean, have a little bit of an ego, you know, Uh that can get in the way. And obviously the trade for Hopkins, uh, you know, for uh, aging running back, definitely blew up in your face. Uh And this team in Houston has not looked the same since. You know, Grant. all right, if you want to change identity and you want to be a power run team, I get it. But then at the same time, you need to be able to build an offensive line around that strategy. They didn't do that. Deshaun Watson, I feel for you because your career years are being wasted right now in the middle of your prime. Uh, Will Fuller played a very good game, but, I mean, at the end of the day, 0-4, you know, and, yeah, yeah, they've had a tough stretch. That's a tough 0-4 because they've played really good teams, but you can't start the season 0-4. I mean, the last time that a team started 0-4 and and made the playoffs, I believe, were the, like, 12 Giants Mm -hmm. that, you know, ultimately went on to to win a Super Bowl. So it doesn't happen often. no, And it's not easy to do because you go 0-4, You gotta at least finish in that division ten and six, Uh so that means you can only afford two more losses.
0: And that team is so much of a dumpster fire, it's not even.
1: Yeah, and that and two more losses, and I don't think you can win games in a row with the way that that team's built. And JJ Watt, the same thing. I mean, it sucks because I think these guys, Siri, I think these guys deserve better, and. Hopefully, you know, Romeo Cannell is going to step in, I believe, and name the interim head coach and Mm -hmm. can turn something around. But I don't know.
0: He'll he'll guide that ship to the end of the season, but I don't think they retain him. No. No, Oh, God, no, 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 no. 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 Pad, how about you?
2: I just want to mention... Cam Newton, since Patriots fan, uh, everyone's kind of wondering what's the situation with Cam, what's going on with him. Uh, ESPN is reporting as of this recording that he is asymptomatic as of today. Uh, So it is possible he could return to practice by Thursday and be good to go for the game against the Broncos on Sunday. So fingers crossed for that.
0: So I know everybody's expecting me to talk about the Bills. And no, for record, I was not the person on the skateboard with the helmet drinking cranberry juice and uh, listening to Fleetwood Mac. I want to clear that up right now. Good Lord. But that meme is incredible, though. God, love that thing. I'm actually going to close out talking about those Cleveland Browns. Oh. And and 3-1, and and albeit they almost gave the game away to Dallas. But Mike McCarthy, uh, is he even watching defense? (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't even think he's watching any defense. They looked absolutely atrocious on defense. The fact that Cleveland is hanging 49 on your team, and I Grant- mean, it's funny. It's the same. Th- what changed? Yeah. What changed? The only thing that was Nick Chubb left the game early. That was it.
1: Well, well, no. I'm saying what changed for Dallas? You fire. You know, you fire Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. You're thinking that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna bring in Mike McCarthy and have, you know, a uh, uh, change. Same fucking team they
0: were last year There's no difference The defense is bad, the offense is good And you figure I figured McCarthy would have picked up on that (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not like even the even the years he was in Green Bay, like they didn't have the best defense, but they had a serviceable one. This one, I'm sorry, yeah, this is just the epitome of a one sided team because your offense, yeah, is is hanging up points. Dak is on a record pace right now, which I don't want to be his uh, dealing with his contract situation next year. But for the Cowboys, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, and yeah. Y- and you have no answers on defense, and I don't see how no. you do. And especially, you're, you're probably going to win that division because it's the weakest one in all of football. Mm-hmm. But going 7-9 and nine with a division title is nothing to brag home about, my friend. No. If, if
1: they don't win the division, does McCarthy get fired?
0: Uh, uh, it's possible. I'm going to say 50-50 right now, but as, we'll keep I mean, an eye on this as it goes.
1: If you finish 7-9 and nine and you are like last statistically defensively and you win the division just by default, Yeah.
0: yeah. See, you know what? No, let me rephrase that. I think he stays around one more year. Because I think, because Jerry stuck with Garrett for so long.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that was on the predicate, you know, on that he built this, you know, helped build this offense, you know, with Dak and Zeke what is McCarthy brought to the
0: table? No, the only thing he's brought is a different look to the offense, but you didn't need to, ex- that's like putting more air into a, a freshly I, bought tire there. I mean, we were, I just hijacked this too, because you were talking Cleveland, so I mean. No, because, <laughs> cause, no, because the, the narrative <laughs> is Dallas is bad, but how
2: about them Browns? Yeah, maybe yeah. Very surprising.
0: Odell Beckham Jr., welcome back to the league. It's been
1: a while. Since me. Hey, burn me you. in fantasy this week. I, I, listen, I we killed the hire for uh, you know, the uh, Stefanovski or whatever, yeah. you know, I mean, we we crushed that hire. Oh, you know, another offensive coordinator that you know, never had head coaching experience, but he's figured out what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hand mm-hmm. and watch this team rise. And that's
0: exactly what's going on. Yeah. And especially they got the running game going. Even though Nick Chubb went down, not sure. season ending. Uh, he's on IR, but it's not. They're saying the.
1: Um, it's the early season IR. Or whatever yeah, they whatever call that it. is. So Short I think, term IR. I, yeah,
0: I think, what, six games, I want to say? Something like it's, that. It's yeah. three game minimum. It's, it's three game minimum, but I think they said they're expecting six. It's up to six, yeah. He going down didn't really hurt this team, and that's so wild to say. Yeah. But Dearness Johnson. Whoever you are. Yeah. You had a career day, my friend. He's getting a lot
2: of claims on waiver wires. Uh huh. He's a a
0: fantasy football It's like 96% unowned in ESPN leagues. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. was your second leading runner, which, I mean, but for the two ender rounds, he burned the defense. Oh, uh-huh. man, dude, they had him in the backfield. They had dead rights, and they still couldn't yeah. tackle him. God, I miss him. Yeah, oh. the, the swag that the Browns are playing with. He was a giant, if yeah. you guys don't remember. Oh, we, we all remember. He made that infamous one-handed catch, and then he disappeared <laughs> yeah. after
1: that. Well, no, he didn't disappear. He only you know, got a little injured, and unfortunately didn't have a quarterback that could throw him the ball where And there was a boat it.
0: incident. And then a boat yeah and then you get to Cleveland. get that stack going. Yeah. So, but no,
1: seriously though. I mean, they won that trade. They yeah. they robbed the Giants blind because on the flip side of it, you know, Olivier Vernon's playing really well defensively. I mean, yeah, he's not putting up 17 sacks a games like his contract probably, you know, would assume that he's getting Mm -hmm. but i mean he's definitely helping miles garrett on the other side and even when miles garrett got suspended last year olivier vernon stepped up and played pretty well so i mean you give up a first a late round fourth and then you know a starting guard and jabril peppers i'd take that
0: trade 100 times out of 100 times no the browns are definitely paying off in dividends and they finally got obj the ball look what happens Baker's playing with more confidence. That's what he needs. That is what he needed, yeah. So the Browns are really kicking in high gear right now, so you have to applaud them. Who
1: would have thought a run game would be, you know, what would turn the Browns around?
0: Weird. I know. You know, you only have Kareem Hunt and Chubbs in your backfield, but. Exactly. Somebody finally figured it out after how many seasons. You know, that's what they say. So, Got to give them the ball and watch what happens. Uh-huh. So all that being said, we gave you a lot to recap on this week's edition of the ODPH Locks and Leaps Recap. So hit us up on that social media, will you? Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and hit us with that hashtag ODPH. What is your takeaways from this week's football action? We definitely want to know.
2: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book of Lies. Lies, the podcast. Where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown dirty liar and learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. You can connect with us on social media: Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast.
3: Bye.
2: Bye.
0: Welcome back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let's talk some basketball.
2: Basketball is Somebody's my sport. in trouble. Break it
0: down. It's NBA Finals it's time. The,
2: it's the Knicks, isn't it? Knicks are in trouble. Oh wait, sorry. Reflex. Wow.
0: <laughs> Wow,
2: reflux! Unbelievable! <laughs> unbelievable! He's, Un- pe- He's got to start
1: like that. I know. I mean, now you just threw me all. I was bringing nothing but energy. Now he threw me all off into a sad,
2: sad depression. I think it was. Well, haven't like, you been there for like twenty years? No. Uh, I, I think Close. it was all that Cam
0: Newton talked last segment that yeah. really got to him. So, Coach, let's rebound. Let's talk about those Lakers and Miami Scene. Heat. Okay, do it live. Yeah, I mean, this has been a great series. Uh, obviously,
1: the Lakers now up to one with uh-huh. a great. Game three victory led by and starring Jimmy Butler, yeah, uh, who outs, I, if you didn't hear this, uh, everybody, I'm sure, I, you must have been living under a rock because he outscored. He out-rebounded. He out-assisted LeBron James. First time in an NBA Finals game ever. Ooh. Lottie fucking ah. die, Yeah. I mean, even Jimmy Butler, to his credit, said that wasn't even his best game, yeah. that when he was 13, he beat a 39-year-old man, and that was the best game of his life. I fully believe that. So kudos to Jimmy Butler for not giving a shit, because guess who wasn't? This guy, and he's got two thumbs. It's a great performance. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm rooting for the Heat. I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Lakers, the story, yes, I know. I But I, there's just something about Jimmy Butler that I just gravitate towards. It's It's the leadership. I just read a story uh, somebody posted on Facebook that Jimmy Butler bought all of his Miami Heat teammates hoops during quarantine so they could practice. So this dude was on it from day one. Mm -hmm. You know, he wanted this championship, he has been working towards this. You know, he leaves Philly where it was a sure deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody was like, all right, you stay in Philly, Philly you and Bede, Simmons, you know, Reddick probably would have resigned, you know, you, you they would have been loaded. They would have, this would have been the year. No, going to Miami, young team, South Beach, rebuilding. Nah, not so fast. Championship.
2: Yeah. And the Lakers are the Lakers. Yeah yeah no and i know uh last week i believe it was we we kind of all figured out oh, you know the heat would sneak out maybe game one game two of course that was before they lost uh bam out and then goran dragic went down but we should know good news for the heat uh that according to sources from espn.com uh bam does uh plan to play game four which is tonight against mm-hmm. the lakers so they got that going for him. so i'm i'm hoping f- i'm semi i don't have a dog in the race you know i don't i'm not a heat fan i'm not a laker fan i am a basketball fan i enjoy watching good basketball what i don't like watching is four game sweeps because that is boring as all hell and nobody likes watching a one-sided affair Mm. you know so i am semi rooting for the heat in this instance because hey i want to see this thing go five six even seven games because i enjoy good basketball
0: yeah this series has definitely been entertaining i think more so than i thought it was going to be originally Mm -hmm. because game three we really saw a twist in momentum and with the Heat having their backs against the wall, because let's face it, they went down a 3 the series was going to be sweep. Mm-hmm. I have no problem saying that. They showed up, and they definitely answered the Lakers, and Jimmy Butler is the epitome of hard work. He is the heir to the throne of Mamba mentality. Yeah, facts. There is, there is no question. Do, you don't even try at me on O.D. Parlay Hour saying otherwise. He is the successor to that. He he embodies it full-heartedly. Yes. He
1: literally, that is... the. I don't know anybody else who has this. Put the team on my and because LeBron doesn't. I mean, listen, I'm not a you know a LeBron hater, but at the end of the day, he threw a fit until he got Anthony Davis. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, every, yeah. everybody else has asked for stars. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is asked to play and be around guys who want to play basketball solely and win, yeah. and that is that is what Jimmy Butler's wanted. Yeah, yeah. And that is what he
0: got in Miami. Oh yeah, yeah. And especially dropping 40 in that game, Uh and it was a do-or-die situation, you saw him really step up. Yeah. You really saw him put the team on his back and deliver a win when they needed it, and especially being as injury-depleted as they've been. He really took the the game over by himself, and that's what you want from your superstars. Yeah, facts. On the flip side, I did see something from LeBron that I know has made a lot of headlines. Oh, he's going to go there. Oh, I'm going to go there. Because I really question it, but I really also at the same time said, haven't we seen this before? Uh, in different circumstances, but yes. And that is he left the game early. Ah. Well, walked off the court. Well, he walked off. Yeah. That's what I meant. He left early. He walked off before the ending because he was so disgusted with his teammates and their poor performance that night, which I understand the frustration and the emotion involved in the game. Which but he allegedly say
1: he thought the game was already
0: over. Yeah, which I also don't believe, and I could also – say a few other things. Here's the
1: thing, if I was Jimmy Butler, and this is what I said, it could have come back to haunt them, but it also could have been maybe a rallying cry of, you know, you're not going to disrespect us. So Jimmy had the ball. You know, the, the dreaded uh, shot clock turnover, which mm-hmm. you know has been uh, was a woe, uh, you know uh, NBA national known thing of you know nobody wants to take the final turnover for the shot clock violation, which was discredited because it is actually a team turnover, not an individual turnover. Yeah. So, but it became very funny among the NBA. Um, I would have just fucking dunked it.
3: Yeah,
1: I would have just gone in full heartedly, and I would have put a tomahawk tomahawk down, and I would have said, "You're going to walk off the court." I'm going to have 42 now. Yeah, I I fully agree with that. And it could have come back to bite him in the ass because then the narrative would have been the disrespect by Jimmy Butler to not count it out. But then, you know, I think on the flip side of it, Jimmy Butler and the Miami team would have been, no, no, no. They walked off the court. I finished the game. Mm -hmm. don't don't spin don't put your
0: spin zone on this and say i disrespected them they disrespected us i fully agree with that statement and that's why i really sat there and when i saw lebron do this and i know everybody's really up in arms on social media a lot of people i mean there was a lot like we had a lot of feedback on at od parlay hour on twitter about this and i literally just said i've seen this before this is not anything really new albeit though this is the first time I think I've seen it in the finals. I mean, mid-game. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, he's walked off
1: with, like, you know, little, like, .9 seconds left and, t- you know, untucked the jersey yeah. and headed to this. There was still 22 seconds left, and he's already three
0: w- three-fourths of the way to the tunnel. Yeah. So what does that say about the state of your team? And, that, and like I say, I, I, it brought up some questions that I uh-huh. go, okay, had if you're watching this at home, what is the language that you're reading from this?
2: I'm a little concerned because I think he might mentally not be all in on this. That it, I, I appreciate more a guy who's there on the court, there to the end, even when times are tough. You know, it, it, it would concern me as a fan, and I'd be kind of pissed off if my star player is leaving before the end of a game, albeit even if it's you're mathematically there's no chance of coming back. You know, I would much rather see him on the court, and I'd be a little pissed off.
1: Coach? I
2: mean, as you know, somebody
1: who you know coaches and is into basketball, and, and you know, grew up idolizing, you know, arguably the greatest captain of, in history of Mark Messier, mm-hmm. you know, who would literally have died on this hill to defend his team. This angers me as a fan, I, and if and the way that I'm reading this is not so much of a of a lack of. Of anything else, but or you know, or of anger towards his team, I view this as a lack of leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everybody always questions, you know, LeBron's killer instinct and all that jazz, but at the same time, you know, all right, yeah, he might be a great leader when things are going well, but you know, you're up 2 0. The, you know, the, the, you're down in this game. Yeah, all right. There's nothing you can ultimately do to come back. Like I get that, but at the same time, not playing out the final seconds, or at least being on the court. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, yeah. You don't have to hug the other team. You don't have to dee da. You know all that stuff. But to not even be on the court, you know, to finish the game and walk off disgusted and and this, you know, and dejected
2: from everything else. That's not leadership to me. It, it reminds me a little bit of what was it when uh, Cam and the Panthers lost in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And he was gone off the field. It wasn't there for handshakes. wasn't there for anything. It was just gone off the field. It reminds me a little bit of that. And also, you bring up Messier. You know, you think of like a Derek Jeter or a Tom Brady. And, and yeah, in certain instances when the game's hilariously out of reach, Brady would get pulled. And, but in and you think in a lot of instances, Jeter didn't want to get pulled out of a game for anything. Mm-hmm. Jeter could be playing on one good leg with wh- half of a good arm, and he wouldn't want to come out of that game. No matter what the score was and whether they're up by a 1,000 or they're down by a million, he wanted to stay in that game and play that game through to the end. LeBron, you can't say the same thing. And that, to me, it's a, as good a leader as he is and as smart as he is basketball-wise and his IQ – off the charts basketball eyes, but in this instance, for me, his leadership—you know—if we're giving it like a score or percentage, it got knocked down a little bit.
0: Let's just kind of quickly recap the scores here too, because Lakers won Game One, one sixteen to ninety eight. They won, game and two. after
2: that game,
1: though, let's not forget he had the quote, you know, "Job's not done." Yes, he, you know, the 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 Kobe quote. Yes. you know, mm-hmm. he he balled that. You know, hey, why aren't you happy? Job's not done. Okay,
0: and then Game Two they won one twenty four to one fourteen. So they lose this one, one fifteen to one hundred four. Now this is not like they got blown out by no, thirty. No, this is they lost a hard fought game by eleven. Well, I mean,
1: on the flips uh, and on looking at that too, let's not like this was a Miami team that game two. You know, lost scoring Gorandrog- or game one lost scoring Drajic, so mm-hmm. he didn't play game two. Yeah, Bamba uh, Adababe Adobe went down game two as well, so yeah. he wasn't there for game three. So you're, playing, you're looking at a depleted roster, you know, and, and so, yeah, you're thinking, all right, we've got this in the bag, and you come out, and it's not like everybody else played bad either. I mean, the, the Lakers didn't have a terrible Game 3 performance. It's just Jimmy Butler caught fire. Yeah. And, you know, the thing with that Miami team is once he gets hot, everybody else does too, and they all start percolating. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Miami's dangerous. So, you know, I just <sighs> – and I know, I you know, sorry, Ken, for grabbing this from you, but, no, yeah, no. I
0: mean, I just I just, I just, don't understand it, you know? I just don't understand it either because, I mean, looking at the stat lines, too, it's not like they got ran out of the gym. No. They just lost a hard-fought game. And if he wants to complain about the rest of his team, well, you just have to take a look. I mean, Morrison Kuzma had 19. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis had 15, so he had an off night. Yeah. But this is where you still had a chance to close out, and you didn't because another team really stepped up and really punched you in the mouth. I mean, Butler, like we said, had 40 points. Crowder had 12. Olenek had 17. And then, of course, coach's favorite guy, Tyler Harrow, 17 points as well. Fucking goals. Well, and if, and
2: if LeBron can complain about anything, yeah, he had an off-night shooting. Only 25 points, 9 of 16 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3, 6 of 9 from the line. So, yeah, it's an off-night, but Christ, everybody has that. Jordan had plenty of those. Well,
0: exactly, the point. So you can't really sit there and criticize and be mad about it and then blame it on your team when you also had a bad night. Like, that, the body language he gave out about that I thought was really corny. And I thought that as a leader on this team, and it's you really did not show that leadership. Sure, when everybody is having a great time and winning, it covers a lot of Band-Aids up. But to lose, and this wasn't a bad loss. No, like it, it that, was close.
2: Entering the third quarter it was 85-80 uh, in the Heat favor. Yeah, so
0: how are you going to sit there and act like that on a close loss? Like, yeah. like I just I don't get that mentality. So now going into tonight's game... The questions I have is one: Where's LeBron's head at? Because uh-huh. I know he's been hearing about this, so he's going to definitely try taking this game over. And two: Can Jimmy Butler willed off another win tonight?
1: That's the thing, though. I mean, will LeBron try to take it over? Oh, I does think he, he does. Or does he try to defer? Because this I, I, LeBron is a basketball IQ guy. Oh, yeah. And he and he knows it. So does it more of a thing where he tries to get his teammates going early? and try to get them into the game, especially with the stat of, you know, he knows the stat Anthony Davis scores 30. Mm. They have a very high like, likelihood of winning. So does he maybe defer a little bit and trying to get Anthony Davis going again no. and then look
0: for his later on? No. All right. He is going to try silencing critics. The ego is going to fault him on this one, that I think he's going to try doing too much first. He will, though, go to Anthony Davis as soon as he feels he's done enough because what he's been hearing all week Since that game, is where was the leadership? What happened now? You, 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 you. That's all he's been hearing. I fully think he's going to come out and try making a big statement early. Yeah. And I think he's going to try putting it on his back, which I think is going to fault them tonight.
2: Yeah, and for what it's worth, uh, game one, the line was Lakers by nine. Uh, Game two, or excuse me, yeah, game one, what was, excuse me, game one was Lakers by five. Game two was Lakers by nine. Game three was Lakers by nine again tonight. It's Lakers by seven.
0: Ooh, okay. Well, that being said, I would lean the heat tonight. Yeah. I would. That I, that I just think that LeBron is going to try doing too much too early. It'll be interesting to see how Anthony Davis responds to this, too. Mm-hmm. That I think that we have to really remember, he has not had a deep run in the playoffs before. No. A lot of more attention is on him tonight. And to see how he reacts. And this whole Laker team, too, because if this was LeBron's way of calling out his team, I think he went about it the wrong way. Yeah. I just don't buy this. And on the flip of the coin, Miami has got all the swagger Mm -hmm. because Jimmy Butler answered every critic and he said they're in trouble now. Immediately went into it like we're taking this next game. You gave a team that was on the ropes a chance to rebound. Watch what they do tonight. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the telling sign. So coach, any predictions on this game?
1: It's so tough because I I don't view LeBron as as taking it that way cuz I I think that when he does, you know, and you you've seen it before with the in the Golden State series with Cleveland. He's willing to defer, you know, especially once the critics start you know, chirping, that he's willing to defer to let other guys get going and then start looking for his stuff later on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he forces himself in the game and a little bit differently by getting other looks for other people, and that's what Cleveland did in that, you know, later part of the series against Golden State mm-hmm. is he really tried to get, you know, the Kyries and, and everybody else going, and then he started, and Kevin Love, and then he started looking for his stuff in the second half. Um, so I, I look for that tonight. I want to say Miami because of the fact that I am cheering for them and I'm cheering for Jimmy. But I do, I do like uh, the Lakers in this game.
2: Pat, uh, I'm going to say the Heat. I think they've got all of the talent or not talent. They got all the momentum and all the you know cards are in their favor for tonight.
0: I'm going Heat as well. I think it's going to be a lot closer though. Yeah, I'm going to say 116-112. That's my, okay. that's my prediction. I think Jimmy Butler is going to really want to take this game over, and I think that he feels that he has something to prove. Where LeBron, I think, is going to try answering critics, and I think it's foolish that he's going to try doing this. I do see Coach's point, though. I'm not going to dispute that. I think that would be the smart move to get his teammates involved. It just depends on how he's going to react because he's been hearing a lot of criticism about it. And let's face it, he is listening to the criticism. There's no chance he's blocking this out. So that being said, I do like the heat tonight, but hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. The NBA finals are almost coming to a close probably by the next time we record. So who you got winning and taking home the chip? We definitely want to have the conversation. We're going to take a quick break.
2: We'll be right back. From the galactic depths of the comic book universe comes the ghosts of the stratosphere, ready to galvanize and energize your mind with the latest of comic book news and reviews. And why why are you stopping me? Uh, Yes, that's much better. Hi, this is Andy Larson for Ghosts of the Stratosphere. Join me every week along with my co-hosts Rob Stewart and Chad Smith, as well as a cavalcade of fantastic comic book guests as we dish out heaping helpings of the greatest and latest of comic book news and reviews. New shows posted every Tuesday with bonus shows every first Friday of the month. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher under Ghosts of the Stratosphere, as well as on our website, www.gotstratosphere.com. Hope to see you soon, folks. Hey,
1: this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up, I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys.
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to run those bases and take the show home. Pad, lead
2: us off. Yeah, i got to talk a little bit of baseball because we are now in the league division uh, series for baseball. Uh, In the American League division series, you have the Yankees taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Currently, the Yankees have a one-game lead. Uh, Game two is tonight, as we record. Uh, You've got the Houston Asterisks taking on the Oakland A's. Uh, Houston currently has a one-game lead on the on the a- athletics uh, currently they're playing game two where houston is leading five to two uh and then on the national league side you have the la dodgers playing the san diego padres uh and game one of that is tonight as we record uh and then the miami marlins are taking on the atlanta braves where game one just finished a little bit before we finish recording uh and the atlanta braves won by the final score of nine to five
0: Pat, how are you feeling about those Yankees?
2: Uh, looking real good, especially last night. I was going to stay up for the end of the game. was looking a little close. It was 5-3, to three, I believe it was. And then Giancarlo Stanton decided to empty the bases with a grand slam in the ninth inning. I'm like, well, thank you, Giancarlo. I can go to bed in a timely manner and not have to stay up super late. No, they're looking really good. I mean, Cole looked, you know, he was a little bit off last night, but he still looked as dominant as ever. I believe he tied a record uh, set by Robert Did something that hadn't been done by a Yankees pitcher in the playoffs since Roger Clemens, and that was back-to-back eight strikeout performances in the playoffs, which was Roger Clemens in 2001. So they're looking very good. I know they're going with their phenom or young ace, uh, Debbie Garcia, tonight, who's only 21 years old. You know, so it should be looking real good. Uh, I just hate—the only thing i got to say I hate is the broadcasting choice for the American League Division Series because it's Ron Darling, and my God, is he fucking awful.
0: Yeah, he's not the best.
2: First line, and if you like Ron Darling, I apologize, but he's fucking awful. The first line I heard out of him last night was they they went to, you know how they do this in every sport. Go to the color commentator, oh, what does this team got to do to win? And in this case, they, oh, what do the Yankees got to do to win? And he goes, well, if the Yankees are able to lay off Blake Snell, it'll be an early night for him. And if they're not, it'll be a great night for him. No shit, Sherlock. Sherlock. Jesus Christ!
1: I mean, listen, I got to deal with it when Troy Aikman does oh, Giants, Giants, Cowboys games. Oh, trust I me, I get. I oh, and Buck. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: Buck no, too. and I, I love the one writer I follow who gave me the ultimate like hate poll. Who would you rather, Yankees fans? Who would you rather hear as color commentator, Alex Rodriguez or Ron Darling? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, do we have to pick. Is there a third option? Uh,
0: that's that's a tough one. I, I would,
2: like I, I told you guys, I'd take Tim McCarver over A Rod or. Uh, Ron Darling.
0: Pat's not playing about this. And nope. I'll, I'll even throw this out there. If we have enough people ask, maybe we'll do some twitch.tv slash 6x7podcast uh, playoff games. Maybe. We might. We might. But we got to really get some feedback, get some more follows, and get some more subs on there, too. Yeah. Twitch.tv slash 6 7 podcast Great baseball action going yeah. on. though. Definitely. So, let's go Yankees. But That's and all it is. as we
2: should always mention, fuck Houston. Exactly.
0: <laughs> always. So, that being said, Coach, what you got for your base?
2: Well, I had
1: to struggle to find something, so I borrowed one from you, Ken. We'll... Talk, dive into the professional wrestling.
2: Wrestling. And wrestling.
1: Time to and, run the ropes. We haven't done that in and, a little while. And, uh, I mean, there hasn't been much to talk about. Yeah. However, on Sunday night, NXT did have a card. Uh, the NXT TakeOver 31. Mm-hmm. Yes, from the CWC. From the CWC. Ah. Uh, they uh, opted out of Full sale to take NXT back to the uh, Performance Center where they revamped it. And named it after Vince McMahon's dad's dad? Yeah, his grandfather. So great, great grand, or Vince's great, yo? no, yeah. Vince's grandfather. Family who, trees, they're confusing. Yeah, family, yep, very confusing. Who uh, op- started the first, you know, wrestling federation in the long line of family tradition of the CWC.
0: Oh. And Pad hit us with the card. The pa- the card actually kicked oh, off because I got it all set. Ken, up hit us with the card. I'm ready for it because this one, I we did a live reaction show to this on Twitch.tv slash 6 7 podcast with Rich from 3FN and Crazy Curtis Gaming was in the house too for this because going to the CDC and this was a uh, mini Thunderdome. That's exactly what it looked like. So if you've been watching WWE programming, this did have the same feel to it, albeit though I do love the setup with it. It's a little different. Uh, they did have chain link fences up, which was kind of like a little – you know, trying to make it stand out a little bit behind the plexiglass as well. So there was enough that this definitely was a visually impressive thing to see. But whenever you refer to NXT takeovers, the bar is set that much higher because I think Pat and Coach can attest to this. Mm-hmm. Years past, how many times has a takeover been the event of a weekend? Yeah, I mean, more it's, often than not.
1: It's been wild to see what's been going on with the takeover events because they just have been just not finding a groove in this post COVID era.
0: Yeah, that the past couple they've had have been real stinkers. I would say for them. They've been decent cards if you compare them to AEW. Right. But overall, they've been okay at best, like a couple matches here and there. I will say for this card, this was a return to greatness. This had a lot that jumped out. This was a lot of fun to watch. They opened up with the North American Championship. Johnny Gargano, who has been an absolute great heel. Uh-huh. Yeah, taking on the one and only Damian Priest, who they've been really big on after he won the North American title. This match, I will go on a limb and say this was a five-star match. Okay. This was, if I'm using um, somebody else's metric system, this was a whole car dealership lot with a junkyard and a coffee maker ready with coffee to go <laughs> because this is your epitome of a five-star match. Very back and forth, very excellent in their timing. Even when it looked like they botched moves up, Mm-hmm. It was fake-outs. Mm-hmm. Like, the psychology of this was spot-on. Like, I, I cannot stress this enough. And your winner was the one and only Damian Priest, who is retained. So this will kind of play into something I'll touch upon later. But okay. I will say this. If you haven't seen this match, this was a perfect way to start off the show. This is like when the tag teams used to kick off the show. Yes. And you know how you got the big energy vibe, they were high pace from top to bottom? Sure. Oh, yeah. This had that vibe to it. So I have to say this was a five star match if if you believe in that stuff. If not, it's a four point seven five. If you really want to get technical, but I sure like, after this match kicked off, I was like, okay, the rest of the night's gonna be tough to top. Your next match matchup was Kushida versus the Velveteen Dream. Uh-huh. Now, Pat, are you very familiar
2: with Kushida? Uh, a little bit. I just know that he's got the uh, Marty McFly gimmick, but it's not Marty McFly because copyright.
0: Right, uh, <laughs> coach. You're familiar with him. Yes. So. This match was basically Kushida beating the holy snot of Velveteen Dream. Like, this was the most aggressive that I've seen Kushida since he's been in NXT. Which I loved how uh,
1: Dream came out dressed as Doc.
0: Yeah, Doc Brown. Because making fun of the the Back to the Future gimmick. Because I would say you you saw at least a couple of these matches, Coach. Yep. What would you say was the biggest contrast from the Priest Gargano pace to this match, would you say? I mean,
1: this was just a straight—I mean, this was two guys who just don't like
0: each other. Yeah. Like, you could have that fight feel to it. Yeah. And I love the fact that Kushida kept going after him even after the match because he did that weird springboard Kimura, which I thought looked flawless, too, by the way. And he definitely played up to the storyline. Dream got his ass whooped. And I have a feeling that we'll hear a little bit more about Dream this week. Probably. But your winner was Kushida. Solid match to keep going with the card. Next up, we had the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, Santos Escobar versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Now, Coach, did you catch this match? Uh, I was in and out, so I did see some of it. Okay. Had, you haven't been really following too much lately. No, right? I, was, I,
2: was bu- I was busy Sunday night, so unfortunately I didn't get to see this card.
0: This match was phenomenal as well. This, you could also say, was a 4.5 to 5-star 5 match range. Very back and forth. We have seen Swerve Scott wrestle here in Excite uh, way back when. He's obviously done his thing through the indie scene. He definitely had a breakout moment. Looked amazing in this match. The back and forth they had going, a lot of high spots. Uh, Albeit, though, a little bit kind of weird ring psychology that they did at least tie into later because there was this weird spot where they were outside the ring, and Escobar grabbed the padding, not the turnbuckle. Sure. But you know the padding that covers up where the the steel connects to the post to the turnbuckle? Yes. He grabbed the padding off. Hmm. And it was kind of weird that he did that because they didn't have any follow-up for a very long time with this. So as they kept going forward with the match, and there was a weird run-in by Ashante... The Adonis, who is a new signee from Evolve, Hmm. uh, who had one of the best promos after the match. You have to go on Google and see it. I can't do it justice. Uh, Interfered and was helping Swerve, trying to fight off the Legion. um, Escobar's uh, side guys there, Mm -hmm. uh, Raul Mendoza and um, Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. So they're kind of getting distracted with him, a little back and forth. uh, And then Escobar did wind up throwing... Um, Swerve into that exposed steel, so he was kind of knocked out, hit his finisher. Still top-notch, retaining the title. I have to say, for a Cruiserweight title, I'd love to see more of this. Uh In fact, I'm hoping that we see this get ran back Uh because they literally tore the roof off this place and, like I said, the pace kept going up and up and up. Like They didn't have a slowdown match Uh until the next match, but this is not a bad thing and this is not an insult on this. It was for your NXT women's title. Yoshi Rai taking on Candice LeRae. Right. They definitely slowed down the pace, but it made sense. And it was very back and forth. I would say Johnny Gargano came in trying to help Candice LeRae out because when the ref was knocked out, Gargano came running in the ring with a ref shirt on. Mm. Now, Coach, you might be able to explain this. If you put on a ref shirt, does that make you a referee? In wrestling, it does. So (laughs) somehow it just grants you powers. Yes. So he came in. I'll say
2: Sasha and Bailey did the same thing like what a month or so ago.
0: Yeah. It was kind of like almost the same play because they were going back and forth and he tried doing like a fast count, but Shirai still kicked out. Right. And then Gargano was trying to hand off the women's title to Candace. And there was, you know, like a little back and forth, but they did a lot of high spots. I know they did a Spanish fly from the top rope. And then of course Shirai hit the moonsault and Shirai looked great in this and Candace was defeated but the big takeaway from this match is two points. Okay. After this match, the Titan kicked in, and it was Tony Storm hmm. making her appearance and saying okay. that she's coming for a Shirai's title. They did tease before COVID that they were trying to tease Storm versus Ripley. Right. So I think that has changed, and she's still making the point that she's coming over to uh, from NXT UK to fight her, which I think will be a great feud. I'm yeah. really excited to see that. But – They've also been running these vignettes that are in this like night vision. Yeah. It's a former champion returning. And the speculation was Bo Dallas on the internet for some reason. Yeah. Like this was. Oh, yeah.
1: This was uh, running. Everybody. It was uh, Bo Dallas or who was the other person? There was two names. There was Neville that was referred
0: to. Yeah, was Neville,
1: awesome. Neville and Bo Dallas, which, who they were like, just everybody was running wild with it.
0: Neville, yeah, uh, yeah, aka Pac. No, I know He signed. Yeah, that was the thing too, and I'm like, he did not get released. Well, there
1: was there was a rumor that his contract was up oh, with AEW. Okay. Yeah, not that he got released, but his dates were up because he never signed anything exclusive he just signed dates
0: yeah which uh, aew has the weirdest contract system going i gotta say this they i just found out that matt cardona is no longer under contract he was not he he only signed dates too yeah yeah he was doing like a weekly thing yeah so like i i don't get what tony and company are doing over there i really don't well Well, they're trying they're trying hey they're trying to work with the guys they're trying to work with them you know everybody
1: just wants dates nobody wants to have anything long term you know
0: yeah which is not good to build your brand up the boys all right the boys but I digress. Like, yeah, I said that whole situation is just weird. But we did get the reveal of who the former champion was because all of a sudden they did this whole infrared driving up to the building with a motorcycle on, and you see kind of like a, a feather leather jacket design. And lo and behold, Ember Moon, yeah. yeah. which I marked out for this one because last I heard she had a career-threatening – ACL yeah, that was, that was the talk that she was done. Or was it her shoulder? Yeah, she was shoulder. Yeah, she had a shoulder that was like she was done done. So to see her come back, I will admit, I marked the hell out. I have no shame about this. I'm a big Ember Moon fan. So seeing her back at NXT I think is a great move and it made a women's division that was already the number one in all of professional wrestling that much stronger. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, her coming back, A, tremendous because – Anytime somebody has a life-threatening or a career-threatening injury and they're able to bounce back and still, you know, do what they love mm-hmm. is an amazing story to begin with. On top of the fact that you're talking about arguably who in NXT was one of the hottest women stars that they had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and with one of the coolest finishers, who which I hope she can continue to do Yeah, um, with that stunner off the top rope. Yeah. Um, and if she can't, then that's fine. Like I'm not saying like I want to see it because you know I just like it's cool. It's good luck, you know. It's cool. Yeah, and it's different. Um, so when you talk about those things, it's like that's awesome. And mm-hmm. and in NXT, she will thrive because again, another NXT star that just couldn't find a niche in the main roster.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing too. When a lot of times wrestlers get called up from NXT to the main roster, they don't get the the true break that they deserve. Chiefly. I think. Well, Keith Lee is the exception because he's broken through. Well, I mean, except
2: for the booking he's got going. Yeah, ex- well, a roller coaster booking.
0: Yeah, right now, but I think that th- that's going to pay off at Survivor Series. I know it's a ways away, but I have a feeling, and I'll kind of get into it in just a sec, but I think that with a lot of the NXT talent that comes up, you either break out quick or you get fallen by the wayside. Keith Lee has been the exception because he's just that good and he's gotten over that quickly. But you have other cases like the Ascension, if you even want to go that far, yeah. which they come up and they, they're never booked right. And, you know, obviously they're no longer with the company. Same thing with FTR. I mean, different reasons, but you can, you can understand the vibe that comes up. So the the Ember Moon go back down and it's no longer considered a demotion. It's considered an equal brand. She's going to do fine there. And then you can't have a better place for her right now, I don't think. That being said, our main event was Finn Balor, your champion, taking on Kyle O'Reilly. Our main event was stiff. This was, was st- what that main event was. Break it down for us, coach.
1: I mean, uh, Finn Bauer and Kyle uh, Kyle O'Reilly were working snug. Yeah, everything found flesh. This was not your it in super kick, slap the knee, top rope, do la di da, flip over the rope. You know, DDT, no cell, all that garbage. This was hard hitting from start to finish this was chain wrestling this was a straight european strong style kind of match that you know if you don't like and you like your these and you like your do
0: flip the channel you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah this one had everything you'd you'd want if you haven't seen this match i recommend this one again this was absolutely brutal to watch, but I loved yeah, every minute it was, of it. I mean, I wouldn't want them to. The, again, you talk
1: styles, you know. You yeah. wouldn't want your top guys working this all the time because, no. well, you might end up with a dislocated or fractured jaw. Well, that's the rumor <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah, and or you might end up with some sort of laceration in your face, like Kyle O'Reilly did. So well, well, isn't O'Reilly something with the teeth?
0: Yeah, it, it's rumored that he got a few teeth kicked out.
2: And then uh, Balor, the rumor is it's a fractured uh, jaw. Yes.
0: Yep. Nothing has been confirmed yet, but after you watch how this match was done, and and I guess that they knew something was wrong, and that's why they wrapped up early. Well, allegedly, oh,
1: shit. I mean, you saw. I. I mean, obviously yeah. you watched. You yeah. saw.
0: You could see Finn. Yeah. Kind of, touch
1: that jaw a little bit, and like after the match, it, like it's hanging.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it had yeah. a weird hang to it. So yeah. hopefully, it's not as serious as. And there's a report. Lo- <laughs> there
1: was a lot of blood.
0: Yeah, they were both bleeding heavily. Hey, that was red equals green. Yes, it did. Because this match was everything you wanted for Kyle O'Reilly, you talk about breakout moments,
1: you know. And uh, let me just say on this match too is I'm glad that they, you know, the easy low hanging fruit was an interference from you know undisputed era or Cole costing Riley the match or, mm-hmm. or you know costing O'Reilly the match or some one of those narratives, you know, like that would have been very easily done. Low hanging fruit definitely could have booked that, and everybody would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. But they didn't. They nope. let a pure Un, unfiltered, un, uh, un, uh, untainted, untainted. Yeah, they just let a pure wrestling match happened and we as
0: fans got rewarded because of oh yeah oh yeah this is everything you wanted to see from these two guys Kyle O'Reilly if you haven't been following him has been a star everywhere he's gone whether it's been Japan PWG ROH
1: yeah he's been a star but it's been like more of the the mid to upper like you know in ROH like he easily could have been you know booked in a main event yeah you know like he could have been that like you needed a guy to to have you know somebody gets injured or the card kind of gets shuffled you could put Kyle O'Reilly in the main event everybody would have been like all right, that makes sense, but you know, never had carried the belt, you know, yeah. would never you would never see him being the star and this match
0: proved that he could do that. Oh, absolutely, without question. So, to see where they go post injuries is going to be the real telling sign because the ending was kind of a weird one after Finn won the match and like I say, I think they ended a little quicker because everybody's hurt, but still didn't take anything away from both competitors. They had Ridge Holland who they just brought over from NXT UK. Okay. Uh, apparently jumped Adam Cole and dumped him over the ringside area beaten up. Now, um, in comes the rest of Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish going, hey, what happened, what happened? And they actually started questioning Finn, who was in the match, of like, "You know, what do you know about this? What do you know? Well, did he order the hit? Well, that's you know? what they're all wondering. Yeah. See, for me, I'm thinking is Roddy ordered it because they've been kind of teasing a slow breakup between the yeah. U- U- UE, which I'm okay with because all of this is going to coincide to where we're going with Friday. Mm-hmm. They're doing a Raw-Smackdown roster draft. Oh, it's starting Friday again? It's starting and supposedly Friday.
2: Supposedly, NXT is involved as well.
0: Well, NXT, they showed in one graphic, and they quickly pulled it. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing. So that's why I'm bringing up to the panel here about. Because Monday Night Raw, they didn't even touch upon this, which I thought was kind of telling. Because the only thing they did about Monday Night Raw was Mustafa Ali was allegedly the ringleader behind Retribution. Sounds good. I'm just leaving that one alone. <laughs> I'll say,
2: well, Raw, you got to remember, mailed it in because the ratings weren't great. Asterisk, there were two mo- football games going
0: on. Yeah, so they ma-
2: they mailed that in.
0: Yeah, they definitely mailed it in, and you could definitely tell about the big reveal, which I'm going to have more to talk about later this week. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of leave that one alone. But as we go into Friday for the draft, mm-hmm. I want to ask both you guys, what do you think both shows need, and who do you think would be better fit to transfer shows? A
2: goddamn miracle. Well, break it down, Pat. <laughs> the shows have been awful. You know, the pay-per-views have been okay. You know, SummerSlam was, wasn't bad. You know, what, what was the last one? Uh, I'm even blanking on the name. Oh, uh, Clash of Champions. Clash of Champions was better than I expected it to be, although the expectations were so low that you'd have to be an inchworm to do the limbo under them. Mm-hmm. You know, so the pay-per-views have been all right, but the shows have been fucking awful. I mean, there was I didn't watch last night because uh, I had – the Patriots game on my TV and the Yankees game on my phone. But I did, thanks to the glorious uh, innovation with uh, the new I- I- Apple operating system on the phones, a uh, picture-in-picture going on. You know, so I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw a graphic where it was Humberto Carrillo and Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and Murphy. The per- the account- for the umpteenth trillion for time. For the umpteenth yeah. trillion time. And the person who I saw who tweeted it went, Really? Again? Question mark? They're, they're repeating matches. I mean, what? Your big draw for Monday Night Raw was supposed to be Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee? Like, okay, normally, yes, but that's a pay-per-view match. You're not going to do anything great with that match on Monday Night Raw. It's been wash, rinse, repeat, and you're just reusing the same matches.
0: So do you think there's anybody that should get moved that maybe would kind of spark some ratings, you think?
2: No. I, there's nothing you can do. Okay. Because I don't know what the solution is, but God damn it, you're doing piss poor right now.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Coach? yeah i i mean they've they tried you know finn on the main roster and that obviously didn't work because he kind of got lost in the shuffle and plus the you know especially after the dislocated shoulder you know vince kind of soured on him' because, you know once a guy gets injured it's they're always injured you know mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's tough because I would you know I think Adam Cole is a big time player. Yeah. and it, obviously he is. You know, I mean I think that goes without saying. His his career and his body of work alone shows that he can be the man. Uh, he's got the look to be the man. He carries himself the way that way. Um, I just I don't see him going on the main roster and getting booked right. I think he'll get lost in the shuffle. You know, you the top players on Raw with your Randy Ortons and your and your Drews. You know, and if Brock ever comes back, you know, is Vince really going to let an Adam Cole, you know, as as not built and and you know, kind of just an average looking guy, you know, beat? The Brock Lesnar, you yeah, know, I yeah,
2: because if, if there are any, there are a number of guys on NXT that I'd like to see on the main roster. You know, Johnny Gargano being one of them. Johnny Gargano would be amazing to see some matches that you could have with him on the main roster. I mean, him versus Seth Rollins. Hello. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But yeah. at the same token, he'd just get lost in the shuffle because we all know what Vince likes. He likes his big beefy guys, you know, his Brock Lesnar's his, you know, Randy Orton's his Drew McIntyre's. And let's face it. Vince isn't going to believe a short guy like Johnny Gargano can, can credibly beat, you know, Randy Orton or Drew McIntyre on right. TV.
1: And and then that goes to SmackDown too. I think I mean, I, if these guys end up on SmackDown, I think they're going to be a little more taken care of because there is the AJ style, there's work rate yeah. On there, you know, what I mean, and not to discredit, you know, what they're doing on Raw, because obviously Seth can work, and you know Drew has put on some really tremendous matches since he's come Owens. back up through. Owens can work, yeah. Owens can work. So there's guys that can uh, work on both brands. I just think SmackDown t- tends to lean towards wrestling, which it always has since the Paul Heyman days, fifteen years ago during the original brand split. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I, I get Ken. I'm scared, because no, I, I don't want to see that happen to. Either anybody, because I like NXT the way that it is, and I, you know, when I can catch NXT, I'll watch NXT because of what's on there. Yeah. Because I know I'm going to get, you know, that that style wrestling that I tend to like, and it's not going to be the the filler bullshit that is Raw.
0: No, I agree with you, and this is where I was kind of getting the vibe from because with them announcing a draft roster shakeup and the fact that NXT was mentioned to be involved. I think we are going to have a shakeup with some call ups.
1: Yeah. I mean, typically, when you see a group of individuals signed, you know, from uh, the independents uh, or quote unquote free agents, and, you know, you already saw two of them debut on this last NXT with two returns, you know, that's typically the sign of call ups. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's, uh-huh. that you know, they, they, they call them up and then they refill, they restock yep. in NXT. So, yeah. you know, I mean, how many did they sign this last? Go around like ten individuals, something like twelve, that. yeah, something like that. So like that. you know that just shows that now there's room. And Gargano losing another title match, yeah. You know Candice LeRae losing another title match. It's like what is left for them in NXT? are
0: just
2: especially isn't especially Johnny,
0: yeah. Well, there just isn't anything. That's the big thing because I think that they do get called up. Yeah, and I think they go to SmackDown because I think AJ Styles is going to Raw. I just have. I this think feeling. I think AJ and then the Fiend as well. The Fiend I think is going too because I think they're going to reshuffle the deck over on SmackDown. Especially, I'm not doubting that they send possibly Kevin Owens over there. I, you know what, a Kevin Owens
1: an Adam Cole, a Gargano, maybe Roderick Strong, those style guys going to uh, to a SmackDown where you know typically it's wrestling first. Would be the spot.
0: Yeah, I think that you, there's a lot of area that you can do there, and especially if you cleared out the deck, so to speak, and set it up where Adam Cole could come up there, that you have Gargano, Candice. You you want to trade Kevin Owens? Even though I would not doubt he goes to NXT because I think he could thrive back down there. He could. That I think it just uh, there's a couple different factions you could do down there. Raw is too stacked right now because he did revel- er, retribution. It's
1: too yeah, and you have the hurt business. Yeah, you just have too much. You have too much clutter up here.
0: Yeah, which the one thing I was even saying too is if you move the hurt business to SmackDown, or if you split them up, or you split up and do two.
2: because Christ Almighty, how many years has it been since they brought back the, the brand split? Like four years, give or take. Mm, give or take. Give or take. Every year they've done a draft or a superstar shake-up or anything that kind of shuffles the deck on who's where. They've always said, oh, you, you even could see instances where tag teams are split up. One guy could end up on Raw. One guy could end up on SmackDown. We've never seen it.
0: Well, the one thing I think they should do, and I actually tweeted this out last night as Monday Night Raw was on, why don't you split the Hurt Business into both brands? Yeah. Like you have I MVP, Lashley, and Cedric, we'll say, on one show. So on the other one, you have Shelton Benjamin. Put him with Apollo and Ricochet, and have MVP just be the mouthpiece that goes between both. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, if you're gonna keep, if you're gonna build the
1: group, you might as well keep the group together. I don't splitting them this early. Like that would be like you know the the Wyatt family, and then all of a sudden you got Harper and Strowman on one, and then you know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just kind of the, the play of words like what can you do with this with the roster that you have because you definitely have to do something to shake it up and you have to do something that makes sense. Well, the
1: shake-up would be pulling up the NXT guys. Yeah. The problem is and what we have started to um, uh, have because of our years of experience mm-hmm. is a distaste and a distrust of them being able to use these guys who yeah. we view yeah. as potential superstars yeah. in the right way. That's why and, and that's what that's what always has happened and and Keith Lee's no different. You know, I mean he, we the Survivor Series we all saw like mm-hmm. this is this is the rise, this is the ascension. The NXT title match, you know, wins the championship and blah 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 everything, you know, everything's in his momentum. Then they bring him up to the main roster and now it's just been roller coaster booking.
0: Well, I think a lot of that though is the writing team just doesn't know what to do with Randy mm-hmm. Orton. Sure. And it's domino affecting on everything else. But that's what happens. No, and, and I grant you. So yeah. so with that being said, though, I do think they do call up a lot to NXT, and I think NXT goes to SmackDown. I think you'll see a lot of talent go there I yeah, I, more I, than Monday Night Raw.
1: Well, I think, you know, obviously the, the AJ Styles, Heyman thing that's going on, the little feud, you know, okay, like that's fine. That's their business. You know, we yeah. don't need to dive into it here, but – You know, then, yeah, all right, get AJ Styles out of there. You know, he would fit perfectly on Raw Mm -hmm. and would be able to be right there in, you know, uh, a title contention or, you know, messing around in the world title picture. And then, yeah, that's where you fill in the void with, you know, uh, Gargano, who can take those minutes that AJ would normally wrestle. And now you plug him in. I mean, Riddle is there already so yeah. there's already a little bit of NXT t- flavor there so it makes
0: sense. Yeah, especially they loaded up Raw already with retributions there. They just did the trade with Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Yeah. So they're over there. So they've yeah. already kind of loaded up Raw as much so I think the other two shows are going to see the talent switch. Yeah.
1: And I and I think SmackDown, you know, although they're not household names, I think could sway the audience to Fox yeah. in a way that, you know, uh, the I don't. I don't want to say, but the the indie crowd, yeah, the indie will crowd gravitate would... towards you oh, know, yeah. oh, and that would help push the ratings for, and won't hurt the NXT ratings because they're just the void is going to be filled by mm-hmm. the new talent that's signed that everybody knows and loves, yeah. And now the internet darlings can go to SmackDown where those hardcore fans will not have to push and decide whether they're going to watch you know AEW or
2: uh, NXT, and they can just watch them on SmackDown. Yeah. Here's an idea: What if AJ goes to NXT? Oh, not, not again. It's not a demotion. It's a, sure. it's a lateral movement. It's a whole avenue of of guys. He hasn't gone up against at least probably not in a while. And you can, re- and you can finally have him do a run with Finn and do a kind of like tag team thing with Finn that Christ almighty, we've been wanting for five years.
1: That'd be I, fun. And, I mean, and it, and it, I'm okay with this. And
2: it works on a developmental level because AJ is one of, if not the best wrestler in the world. And it's a great guy that if you're in the in that system in NXT that hey I got an idea or I want to I want to figure something out who better to go to than him?
0: No, it'd be brilliant. I think that you could definitely plug in an AJ Styles or Kevin Steen to NXT, and I think it would elevate that brand. Yeah, especially, especially
2: especially that would help you know the ratings Wednesday night. That'd put a whole lot of eyes on NXT on Wednesday nights. Exactly, if you get that injection of that independent wrestling favorites say that, if that it, AEW thrives if, if on. You start, if you have a main event on a Wednesday night that's, say, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong versus Finn Balor and AJ Styles. You can't tell me a lot of fucking people are going to watch that? Oh, uh, that needle will move
0: in a heartbeat. So we're going to have to wait to see
2: what kicks off
0: this Friday because they're going to be going Friday and then they're going Monday as well for the draft. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see, but I'm saying the early predictions, NXT is going to get rated. Don't doubt Tommaso Ciampa's name being thrown in there.
2: Which would be surprising.
0: Yeah, it would be, but... He's been off TV for a little while, so True. anything's possible. True, Velveteen Dream got his ass whooped, so maybe they're going to call him up. I don't know because Triple H did say his immaturity was kind of holding him back, so that could be a swerve. You never know, but we're going to have to wait to see what we get on Friday. And for more wrestling talk, twitch.tv slash 6 7 podcast every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So let me close this show out. I have promised I would contain my excitement, but it has happened tonight as we are recording, is the NHL draft. Mm-hmm. The New York Rangers have selected with the number one pick, mm-hmm. the new franchise guy.
2: So, all right, let's hear if you can say the name.
0: Alexis Lafreniere. Ooh, he nailed it. Well done. Bam! Well done. Put him on the line with Panarin and Kreider and watch the puck go. let us I mean, I've gotten over my sadness about King Henrik. Mm-hmm. Even if the rumor is true that he's going to Washington, I will stomach it if the Rangers are out of contention. I'm just saying... This is now the time for the Rangers to strike. Shedderskin has got to be healthy. He's got to be the guy. And they have now loaded up on some scoring talent. Krastoff is still due to come over, too, as well. I mean, the Rangers are loaded right now. Mm -hmm. Now is the time to strike. There's no excuses. So when the season kicks back into play, they got to show up. they got to be putting some goals in the net. we got to have a high-scoring offense. It's going to be so wild to see, but I'm all here
2: for it. Yeah.
0: The rest of the draft, I don't even care about.
2: Well, hey, I just got to <laughs> give a shout-out uh, shout out to the Ottawa Senators who got Alex freaking Trebek to announce their pick. Oh, It's a
0: pretty damn good get. I would say so. I, I shouldn't say that. The Rangers do have the number 22 pick in this draft. Mm. But still, we got the guy who I wanted, and we did not screw this up. We have a truly franchise guy with the organization now, so let's is go, your, Rangers.
2: Is your sweater on order yet?
0: Uh, It will be the minute I leave the show. (laughs) (laughs) There is no joke about this. I just wanted to make sure they didn't do anything crazy because all I was hearing today is like the Rangers really should trade the pick because Lefrenier does
2: not play well in their system. I mean, let's be honest. I wanted the Rangers to take him, but at the same token, I wanted them to not just because the content would be
0: amazing. Oh, yeah. I would have got us kicked off a week. I would have. I would have lost my mind on here. So definitely interact with us on social media. You can hear more of our Rangers talking. So much more happening on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. So let's take this show home with our locks and leaps. Pad, kick us off. Uh,
2: I'm going to start with my lock, and again, might be low-hanging fruit, but I like what I see. I'm going to be taking the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the Cincinnati Bengals. Currently, Baltimore is a 13-point favorite. And let's wow. Honest, and let's be honest, Joe Burrows had a good had a good couple weeks, about what, three games of 300 yards passing or something like that. But uh, that Cincinnati defense ain't ready for... Baltimore and what they're about to bring to the table Uh, and then on the flip side I'm going to be looking at the Indianapolis Colts in the Cleveland Browns game currently Indianapolis is favored by one and a half but you know what I think in uh, Cleveland might have something going they're on a bit of a roll they've had a good couple of weeks going I think they'll be able to carry that momentum into this game and steal one from the Colts I'm
0: with you on that one actually that's Uh, my leap as well all right
2: My lock, I'm going to go with the Chicago
1: Bears or Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, who are four and a half point favorites against the Bears on Thursday night. I typically try to avoid Thursday night games as they scare me with short weeks, but the Bears are that bad, and I think Tampa Bay will ride the hot hand of a young Tom Brady. Ever heard of him? Uh, you know, to a uh, uh, big win. And then my leap, I had it, and I do this every freaking time as I scroll through. My leap is, oh, it was right at the top. I have the Panthers, two-and-a-half-point dogs against the Falcons. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, the team. You said their that, name. That team. Well, so um, I That team obviously is terrible, and Teddy Bridgewater has looked pretty serviceable.
0: Yeah, he's definitely licked the role, so I'm not down any big things happening yep. there, you know, there. And obviously, taking on the team formerly known as that. That team, yes. Yeah. Uh, they should win that one outright.
2: I'll say, watch Chicago pull out the win just because Foles is going up against Brady. Oh, that would be something <laughs> sick.
0: So before I get into my lock, I have been told that, you know what, we should be recapping our locks and leaps going for our internet earlier. Uh, oh, okay. Doing our content creators. And lo and behold, who is number one? This guy with 41 Whoa. points. Number two right behind me is your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy with 38. Rich from Three Fed Nerds is with 37. Tyler from Second suitor is at 36. Colby Mack is at 35. Trophy Wife is the team name. Yeah, I don't
1: fucking know why she changed her name to that. I, I love you dearly, but that you said my name that I picked for you was bad, <laughs> and then you up it to that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, Aaron. Wow. I love you very much, but that is terrible. Wow. Amazing. We, it could have been Sean Top, Aaron Bottom. It could have been Aaron Top, <laughs> Sean Bottom. I mean, you could have mocked us in
0: some way, but you went there. Love you, honey. Yes, so the one only Aaron uh, is there at 33. Evan the Great from Villains Demand is at 32. Vinny is at 31, and then Padawan J is 31. JVD is at 31. Joey from So Wizards is at 31. Dre is at twenty-eight. Wonder Souls at 24. Tyler is at twenty-four as well. Off the cuff gaming is at fourteen. And coming up in last is Ghosts of the Stratosphere with ten. So all that being said, my lock this week, the Cowboys can drop thirty plus on a team. If they're going to rebound anytime soon, it's going to be against those New York Giants. So I'm taking Dallas 9.5. And, and I'm going with the Browns, too, as my leap. So we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens with all that action. So, all that being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Fair City Fire. And definitely keep in tune with what's going on with Brian Wolfe. He's got a new Patreon out. He's taken over the Fridays, So instead of Fair City Fridays, we're going to be doing Brian Wolf Weekends. So definitely he's got a new song out each and every week. So you definitely want to check it out. Where do you find out about all this information, Pad? Where?
2: Uh, OchoDuroParleyHour.com.
0: Right on. On the music section where you can check out everything going on with Brian. Our friends at Shout at the Robots who just unveiled a new Patreon Uh today. So they have a lot of cool merchandise out now. I've seen it. I highly recommend you get into it. They have a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, Obviously, Second Suitor's got stuff going on. Tom Jolu, who came in and closed out DMG-a-thon this past Saturday night at Dragon Master Games, put on an amazing live performance. Tom is due into the ODPH relatively soon. I know the episode has been talked about for a while now. It will be happening relatively soon, so keep your ears out for that and so much more with our friends that are provide us the music you hear on each and every episode. You can check out on the music directory. On the actual directory, though, you can check out friends of the show such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, Excite Wrestling, Dragon Master Games, which is a brand new addition there, uh, organizational links in black lives matter and voter registration and all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. So shout out to pod nation. Shout out to Legion independent podcast. Shout out to alternate reality radio. Shout out to the apocalypse. And of course, shout out to hashtag podcast and eight, one, two, two productions, rich Ron and hashtag big Cool. Still on Twitter pad. Oh boy. Who is also trying to recruit us for a watch along of the room. Fuck no. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're making that very clear diesel. You can try and unless I don't even think there's a price to be made for that. Nope. So uh, we'll just put that as a big hard no. But if you want to find out everything is going on with that crew, at 8122productions.com or sign up for the Patreon. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table, and you can have all the Dr. Derek you can handle behind a paywall. All that and so much more as at ocho duro parlay hour.com That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. For your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. I'm your host, Ken M. Lafreniere. Get used to it, folks. We are Rangers. Blue shirts. Stand up. Let's go. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Palo Hour podcast. We'll talk to you next time.